you like haunts? Yes. Do you like immersive theater? Yes. Do you like escape rooms? Yes. What's the safe word? My haunt life. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. And I'm tired. And I am too. Uh, this past weekend was Midsummer Scream, and it was two days of just nonstop awesome. It and was a we're lot paying, of walking. We're paying the price today. <laughs> Massive, huge crowds this year. As a matter of fact, apparently on Saturday, they completely sold out the venue. Both days. Oh, they did that both days? Mm-hmm. I'd only heard that on, on Saturday. So uh, I had this moment, Mike, on, on Saturday morning where... I was, you know, get, running around trying to get the day situated, and we had to sign up for some stuff. And I went upstairs uh, in the Long Beach Convention Center where this is held, and I had a moment where up on the balcony you could look out, and there were literally thousands of people standing outside in the line to get in. It stretched forever; you couldn't see the end of it, and it, it was literally thousands of people. So congratulations to Midsummer Scream. You've grown into something that is obviously a must-do if you're into haunts, if you're into Halloween in this area. It, it is it is a go-to event now every year, and that's awesome. Congratulations to Midsummer Scream for that. And it's really interesting to me to see the different motivations for people coming. Uh, for example, I talked to someone who only went to shop and left after an hour. Um, wow. I, I was like Sunday afternoon around 3 p.m. People were still coming in for the first time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's I just, noticed that too. It, and it's just in my mind, I'm thinking it's Sunday. It closes in three hours. Why are you just showing up? <laughs> Did it take you that long to find parking? Because that's a possibility. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had a parking nightmare we will not go into. <laughs> Let's discuss it. So <laughs> tell me about this nightmare. So no, it was just, uh, I was in more than an hour before we were supposed to actually go in and I got directed to the wrong entrance. So I actually ended up entering through the hotel, which means that I had the wrong parking sticker <laughs> or the wrong parking, uh, pass. So I like, I later in the day I had to figure that out. And, uh, but yeah, it was just as I was running around, like, who do I talk to about parking at the hotel? So, and, uh, but no, it was, uh, I, I know people said on Saturday morning, uh, did you have any problems parking on Saturday? I didn't have problems parking, but I didn't park in under the convention center. Uh, um, I got there probably around nine and it was already full. Yeah. That's, that's what I was noticing on Sunday morning. The line was literally at least a couple miles long when I showed up. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a huge event. Uh, get there early if you go in the future. Uh, the lines get long really quickly, uh, and it was really hot outside too, and people had to wrestle and deal with that. So I noticed a lot of people uh, not feeling well and, and dealing with the heat uh, if they were outside for very long. So, But other than that, I think they did a great job, it seemed, of moving people in as quickly as they possibly could. Uh, that's, that's always a problem at conventions, especially first day, first thing, uh, Midsummer Scream seemed to have that down this year. Um, and I, I, I don't know if you dealt with any of the, they're, I guess they're called white bat volunteers. 
um, they were really helpful this year uh, in directing people and, and answering questions. So uh, again, thank you to all of the volunteers. Thank you to the Midsummer Scream staff. Uh, stellar job this year. Uh, and you know what, Mike, you were talking about, you know, the variety of reasons for people to come. That is something that uh, I kept running into people and they were asking me, well, what have you done? What have you done? And after about half a day on Saturday, I realized that there was so much going on. There were mini escape rooms. There were the haunts in what was called the Hall of Shadows. There were immersive experiences. There was a sort of scavenger hunt at one point for one of the events. And you also had VR experiences at individual booths that you could try out. You had little theater pieces that you could sign up for and schedule during your day. You had meet and greets with interesting little characters that you could schedule in advance. And and then they would text you and go, come over here right now. Uh, So this convention has become something of uh, this, this, this just... this uh, I can't think of the word mixture. Let's go with mixture. Uh, mixture of so many different things that it it has actually become more than just a Halloween or haunt convention. Yeah, it's everything we love. It's everything we talk about on this podcast. It's you know, there's ARGs, there's immersive theater, there's haunts. It's literally everything we love. Yeah, I, I will. I will say that this completely lifted my spirits this weekend. Uh, awesome. Yeah. I was just so I was so smiley on Sunday. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was. <laughs> Don't mock my smileyness. I'm not. That's just a really scary thought. <laughs> so, um, but uh, you know, I mentioned the the opportunity to meet people. Uh, that's kind of how our our whole convention started, didn't it? Um, that was the first kind of experience I did if we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, I think we are. Which you've kind of I got forced to go at a certain time. <laughs> well, to, to near an escalator even though my time was not the same as yours. So, uh well, I I got this mysterious text from someone. I I had agreed to meet someone named Barry. Mm-hmm. And so well, Barry someone? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a stretch. He it's a he apparently. So, I think Okay. The name Barry. Well, I mean, monsters have gender. Yeah, monsters have gender. Uh, So, yeah, I was apparently supposed to meet a monster named Barry, uh, who goes by the nickname Barry Under Your Bed. Which, by the way, he is very rude. If you're, if you are not in, you were hassling him. him. I was not. Yes, you were. No, I was not. So, (laughs) I was nothing but nice to him. I love monsters. I adore monsters, and I mean, he's people phobic i feel like sometimes well uh well also i i think he was a little upset by your candy choice i so i mean whatever one of my favorite moments was the very end of our little experience of barry screaming no mike no bad mike <laughs> i don't that was someone else <laughs> so but barry texted me and said hey uh come over here and we'll talk for a few minutes and bring your friend mike uh so i texted you and went hey go down and <laughs> And we can go talk to Barry. So Barry uh, was apparently a representative of MHR, which is Monster Human Relations. And he was on a scouting mission, just kind of like a, I, I would, because I work for a corporation, I would consider this like sort of like a brand research mission. Uh, he was trying to figure out if there was interest in monsters and humans actually uh, sort of engaging in a conversation in the future. 
And uh, specifically, he brought up the fact that we all had, you know, when you grow up, you always have the monster in the closet and the monster under the bed. And he, this was sort of a, a research mission for MHR, Monster Human Relations, that would we like to possibly start a dialogue with those monsters? And of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and, and and just so you know, um, Barry is specifically, uh, his location is under your bed. And if you have monsters in your closet, it's either, it's probably like his cousin, Gary or Frank. Yeah. It is, it's not Barry. The, the different department perhaps. Yeah. I mean, maybe next year we'll have Frank in your closet. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> So, but yeah, it was wonderful. Uh, it was a really brief, really fun, goofy uh, experience. And by the end of it, I would like to point out that we did learn that Barry is Team Kit Kat. So. Which he lost all credibility, obviously. <laughs> no, he did not. Uh, he did. Um, but this is this is a cool thing. Um, you know, and we'll get to the panel later that we that we moderated. Um, but one of the things the things you brought up was family friendly events. Yes. And Barry under your bed, at least as of now, seems to be very, very family friendly. So if you have kids and you want them to, you know, have some monster fun but not get scared, really, I think this is a good thing for that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and we will uh, include links in the show notes for this. But, you know, he has an Instagram account and, and is posting photos. And you know, he is this fun very friendly little monster guy. Well, not to me. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> you offended him. He needs to work on his MHR a little bit more with, with me. So you rub somebody the wrong way? Never. Um, but yeah, that, that's a very, very enjoyable little encounter with Barry. Yeah. Uh, it was a good way to start the convention. Yeah, Like absolutely. set the tone. Uh, and and I, I want to digress for just a second, Mike. Uh, something you just mentioned is it, it was, you know, at least what we saw was definitely family friendly. Did you notice how many young kids were roaming the floor? Uh, no, not really. Uh, especially on Sunday. I noticed it even more. There were so many families and the weirdest, I hate to say weirdest because that sounds a little judgy and I'm not judging. I just was very surprised that on Sunday I was coming down the escalator and there were two little boys, and you know I'm horrible with kids' ages, but you know I'm I'm making a hand motion to Mike of how tall kids are, because I I don't have kids, and so I'm horrible at ages, so I judge how by how tall they are. Um, but you know these guys, I think they were probably like six to eight years old, and they were with their dad, and they were with their mom, and there there's uh, lots of cosplay, there's lots of horror characters running around, both you know like characters you would recognize like i saw a couple of jasons i saw a couple of michael myers um i i saw a guy in a leather fast leather face mask uh running around at one point uh weird variations of deadpool this year very odd variations of deadpool this year um and i was coming down the escalator on sunday morning and these two little boys were so excited and they were just grinning from ear to ear and they were kind of jumping up and down and one of the Michael Myers characters walked around the corner and they weren't intimidated. They weren't scared. They were so genuinely excited. And they ended up doing a family photo with Michael threatening to stab the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids were so happy. And the family was like, oh, this is awesome. And I was just like. Which is not canon, by the way. Uh, no. No. 
<laughs> but whatever. <laughs> Absolutely it's a convention. Not. So, but it, 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 it was this weird moment of like, wow, these kids are so excited to me. Like, is Michael Myers their hero? I don't know. But it, but it was just such a weird moment for me of like, I don't understand the kids' relationship with Michael Myers, that they're this excited <laughs> and happy to see him rather than having any fear whatsoever. Because uh, when I was that age, I would definitely have been scared. Right. I mean, you're at your age now and you're still scared. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into haunt noises later, okay? <laughs> so, but yeah, I just, it, but I noticed that on Saturday to some degree. And on Sunday, I just, every corner I turned, uh, there were families with kids there, which I think is wonderful because as, you know, as we said, there's such a wide variety on the vendor floor, there were all kinds of toys and jewelry and artwork and arts and crafts they actually did have an arts and crafts area for kids where they could make halloween things and and little pumpkins and you know they it it is gearing toward uh and i mean this convention is gearing toward having something for everyone and i think this year they particularly succeeded Mm -hmm. there's there is almost if if i want to borrow a tagline from another company too much good stuff Who's that from? Uh, it's the convenience store down the street. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's their logo. You didn't know that? <laughs> Too no. much good stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, and, and I, I think they, I think Midsummer Scream achieved that in a good way. So, um, wait, moving on. What well, was how next? could too much good stuff be a bad way? No, it's not a good thing. Yeah. yeah, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> That was almost a Russell Hunt noise. Anyway, what I was about to say is if you can't hear it, uh, Mike and I's voices are a little strained because we talked to so many people and I screamed a little bit every now and then. And uh, just like it was constantly meeting people. Out of fear. Yes, out of fear. So you might hear us uh, a little roughness to our voices. What did you do after Barry? Uh, after Barry, I went down and visited the Shine On Collective booth, Ooh. which was very interesting. And I know, uh, I want to hear from you about that experience because you actually ended up doing that twice. Did you not? Yes. Once on Saturday, once on Sunday. And why? Uh, there was basically, it was a different, but the same show is an alternate ending. An alternate ending. Interesting. Um, they, uh, Shine On Collective, we have talked about, uh, a little bit before, uh, they do immersive theater pieces and they were doing something called Echoes in the Dark, which is sort of a preview of something they'll be exploring later this year. And I found this absolutely fascinating. Um, Shine On Collective, we've talked about is a company that has explored numerous topics. They do everything from uh, horror to uh, they've also explored like fairy tale mythology. So they, they cover a lot of different territory, um, usually with a fantasy or dark edge to it. So this, I really don't want to spoil the territory that this goes into. Uh, so I'll go to um, uh, Anna and Marley, who are the the forces behind Shine and Collective were there. And when I, I kind of, I didn't know anything about this. And I walked up and I said, so like, so let's, let's talk a little bit what, what's going on. And they, and she said, oh, well, the, the story here is, um, you know, you, you get, you get the perspective of someone. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. And, and she said, it, it's, it's, he's a scientist and um, let's just say he's made some troubling decisions. Victor Hamlin. Yes. And the character is Victor Hamlin. And 
I didn't realize that even in itself, that was a clue to the subject matter. Ah, you're looking confused. Yeah, I haven't thought much I'll, I'll this t- past I'll, weekend. I'll tell you off air. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was about halfway through. I was like, oh, right. So, um, yeah, it is you You sort of um, get the perspective. Uh, it's It's a piece where you wear headphones and you hear things that give you the perspective of a man who has made a couple of decisions professionally that may have really serious repercussions for himself and other people that he cares for. So I, I thought that was wonderful. And I, it's, it's funny because you, you walk into the first area and I was like, oh, this is a very simple little setup. And then they have a reveal of such a cool little room. And by experience, I'm talking, how long was that? It was less than 10 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's very short, very sweet, to the point. Um, what did you think and how did it alter if you can talk up a little bit about the differences between the two alternate the two endings sure and and i'm gonna try to be vague because i don't exactly know what from what they will put from this show in the pop-up show that they're they're going to do um i believe in september so keep an eye out and sign up for their mailing list at the shine off collective.com um but what you see uh, in that room that you're talking about in the the first day, I took it as more of a reflection of yourself. Like that's how I took what was being said, what I was seeing, everything like that. Mm-hmm. In the second day, I took it as reliving a memory and hearing voices inside my head. Oh, interesting. Because there was someone different there and the audio was a bit different from what I remember. So oh, that's interesting. Different things were being said and yeah, that, that, that that's what I want to say. But as far as it, having an impact day two was definitely more impactful for me um, just because of the subject matter and seeing like, because of the way I was taking it, seeing m- the repercussions of something I was doing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I, I really, really enjoyed this and um, it, it's a little bit darker than the other material shine on has done recently, Yay. which is welcome. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that they're taking, uh, it's not an, in, it's sort of a well-known, uh, I don't want to say well-known mythology. It's sort of like you, you recognize the scenario uh, when you kind of get to the end of this little preview. Uh, but they're really taking an emotional look at it rather than just, oh, like, this is dark material, this is scary. It's like, you know, scientist gone wrong or scientist who made a mistake and now has to deal with it. It's 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 more than just that. And um, I, I also want to compliment them on they did something really clever and that had a lot of people talking at the convention and that's as you left this event they sort of gave you a little gift (laughs) how long did it take you to figure that out uh it was hours yeah it was hours for hours i walked around with a mark on myself that, (laughs) that and then finally i noticed the mark on someone else and i said oh wait where like what and and they were like well you have one too and I didn't even realize <laughs> that I had been walking around with something on my body literally for about 
five or six hours. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, and it was, and I had a lot of people talking because a lot of people were, were you know, and when I finally realized it, because uh, I asked somebody about it on them, and they said I actually have no idea where this came from. And what I when I realized is when I realized what it was, it's it's a uh, it's a clue. It's a clue. It's just like oh uh, oh wait, I recognize those words. I recognize why I should know what this came from. So that was really clever. It was really fun watching people discover it because later I actually saw someone else discover like wait, where did this come from? Um, yeah, that was really clever and a really great idea and got a lot of people talking about Shine On. And one thing I want to say is I want to give them kudos for being able to fix an issue. Um, on the first day, uh, you were given a pair of headphones uh, and it, they were connected by Bluetooth. Um, because there was so much going on down there, probably 8 million other Bluetooth signals and wireless <laughs> signals, it would cut out uh, a lot. And the volume was very low based on all the chaos that was happening in the Hall of Shadows. And it mm-hmm. was very, very hard to hear um day two you know if leaving the convention on saturday it you know you're already drained but then to leave a convention and be like you know what we have to fix this for tomorrow to go home and spend i don't know how much time fixing it revamping it making sure things are good Mm -hmm. finding a way to make it in that world um because on day two they actually had it connected it wasn't bluetooth but they gave you something to hold, which made sense to the story. Oh, yeah. You weren't just holding like, you know, an iPod or something. It is like, oh, OK, I get it. But volume a million times better. I could hear I could understand. And it wasn't cutting out. And so to fact the to do that when you're probably tired from setting up in your first day, <laughs> like, thank you for doing that. It made all the difference in the world. And it was just awesome that you guys did that. Yeah, and and look, this is these are people setting up haunts and immersive experiences in a matter of hours, and then literally thousands of people come through the door and want to do your thing. So yeah, that is commendable. Um, I didn't have a major problem. The volume was low for me, and the sound cut out a couple of times. And what I did is, through most of the experience, I actually had my hands over the headphones. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, and just so I can hear it better. Um, and the sound did did cut out a couple of times, but it really didn't interfere with the experience. I got the experience. Um, but yeah, I know other people were having that. And, and I'm so happy to hear that that worked so much better the next day. Not only for you, Mike, but also for Shine On. Yeah. Because the piece is really cool. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the visual of that final room just tickled me. <laughs> there's, <Okay. laughs> there's because there's there's um you see writing somewhere in that room, and the 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 writing on the wall, uh, like well, yeah, <laughs> if you want to use that analogy, the writing was on the wall that oh, like this is the theme, like of of what I'm getting, and I was just it was a wonderful moment when I turned around and saw that, you know, and realized oh wow. This is awesome. So I will say something to make you jealous. Yes. Um, on day two, uh, you got to add to that. What? <laughs> <laughs> I am jealous. So, oh gosh, and I know exactly what I would have would have added. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Always leave the audience wanting more. I guess. Uh, all right, cool. But Mike, we kind of jumped in with Barry under the bed and Shine on. But you had already. Uh, I was running around doing other stuff in the morning. You had already done something before then. Yes. I went to one of our favorite things, Urban Death, uh, at Zombie Joe's. Zombie Joe had, every half hour or so, he had a show. 
uh, yeah. an urban death show. And we were talking to Justin, uh, our friend that was visiting from Chicago, and the line just started moving in. And by the end of the line, there was so much space in where they were having the show. I just decided to go in with him mm-hmm. just to, I was like, I'm here. I might not have another opportunity. Uh, I'm just going to go. And it was urban death. <laughs> yeah, they did where they were doing like 15 minute shows mm-hmm. and Zombie Joe's Underground Theater is traveling. As a matter of fact, they're traveling probably as we are recording yeah. this podcast to the Edinburgh Festival, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland to perform there. And I'm so happy and excited for these guys. These guys have worked their butt off for years. They've created something which is a horror staple here in the Southern California area. Very well known. Urban Death is a show that comes back. We've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. It's always changing. And Mike, you, I, you've had to miss the last couple of Urban Deaths, I think. Right. And I have seen them. And what happens is every now and then they have a vignette that works so well, they'll repeat it in a show. I was shocked at how much of this show was brand new material to me. That's, all. That's good to hear because when we had spoken, I wasn't sure what was new. Yeah. Um, because I missed a, a few shows. Like, yeah. I did see a couple of repeat scenes that I remember. Yeah. Oh, boy, do I remember. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I know the one you're talking about. Uh, but, yeah, like, because you had asked me. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to have time, but, like, how much is new? And no, it, was like, it just I, it worked I out that I, I did have time on Sunday. Like, yeah. It was between two things. And, and I was – it was the same thing. I was standing at the doorway. It was like, yes, they're about to start. And I literally leapt into the room. So uh, that was awesome. And And – yeah, it's like good luck to those guys at the Fringe Festival. But like, what did you think of this incarnation? It's hard to explain because I feel like Urban Death is not just the name of the show, but it's an adjective. If that makes sense. Oh, that's funny. That's, because yeah, it's that like works. it's you know how is the show? It's like it's Urban Death. Yeah. You know, you kind of know what to expect. You know the kind of scenes you're gonna see. You know you're gonna be disgusted and creeped out and scared and just shake your head at what exactly is happening and like how are they doing this why are they doing this what is yeah. going on i need to look at my life and re-examine everything because i like it yeah it's like this this uh very dark material obviously but i will say that i thought that the strength of this show um, sometimes they go for the gross out a little bit, which I, I don't have a problem with. And this show I felt was so strong because even though there were gross out moments, the, the, the huge overlying thing of this show was emotion. And each of those vignettes, even if they were instilling fear, it was about what you felt and what the image did to you emotionally. And uh, the opening of, how, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. And, and we don't need to go into the individual, individual the vignettes. So, uh, no, not the chicken. Oh, okay. Actually, the, uh, the first, yeah, there, there's even a pre-show and a post-show thing that goes on. But um, the, the opening sequence where almost the entire cast is involved and it's so bleak and dark and... Uh, and they do this twist where I thought someone was coming and was going to, I don't know, get something beneficial. And instead, they just continue to create destruction. And it was just like, and I, it's like that opening vignette, it was like, oh, I am so dark right now. <laughs> 
I am in a dark place. <laughs> and but I, I, I thought there were moments of total elegance and beauty in this show. And and I really I like I said, I was surprised at how much new material I had not seen before. And uh, lots of social commentary, but not in a way that it hit you over the head. It was just like, oh, yeah, that makes you think. You know, especially in our current social climate where there is so much negativity being thrown around. It's like, you know, this this is a show that kind of makes you realize that things could be worse. (laughs) (laughs) And it also makes you realize that there is hope. Hope? Yeah. How do you get hope from an urban death show? I, I think if you look at a couple of the vignettes... People in, even if it's a dark family, there's family there. Well, not after Abel's scene. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Hi, Abel. Hi, Abel. <laughs> after Urban Death, I was wandering around a secret location, uh, not a secret location, but the show floor, because screenshot productions which hasn't been in la for for a little bit uh posted an image and if you looked at the image it's like wait a minute i think i know where this is and in that image was a table and there was basically a clue in the instagram post so once that got posted i just kept going back there um and i ran into tal so hi tal um and he was able to uh, go with me a few times and every time we'd go back there it was one of those things where it's like I know this is where it's supposed to be but nothing's here like what's going on mm-hmm. um, so we'd go and like walk the floor come back uh, finally I randomly went back again and I saw I saw the table and I saw some people near it and, and by table you mean it was it was a couple of feet tall and a and a couple of feet long, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, just a small table. Yeah, yeah. With, Not because I'm thinking convention. If people are listening to this, they they, oh, they might yeah. think convention like table, table, like a booth yeah. table. <laughs> uh, and so I saw that no one else was around except people that were behind the show. So I went and I sat down at the table and the man started moving these pieces on the table. And so I was mimicking where he was moving them. And after a few times of doing that, I was asked to follow him and I followed him and the show began. And this was called prologue, which I didn't realize until after I read the description again, Mm. because everybody was asking like, what's prologue? Where is it at? Like what, like, what is it? And it was from screenshot productions and it wasn't on the map that they give you for Midsummer Scream. It didn't have a location. You just have to find their Instagram and know where to go um, and be lucky enough that nobody was in the show when you were there because when you were in the show, they took the table away. Right. And what this was was a workshop piece of a bigger show that they're creating. And I love this show. Um it's one of those things because screenshot for me in the past, uh, some of their shows have been a little bit hit or miss. Um, it's not straight up horror, which is what I usually gravitate towards. Um, it's usually a bit lighter um, with like hints of almost new agey type stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't respond to it. But this show, while it had all of that, this was the show I needed right now based on where I am in life and where my headspace is. And that's that's all I really want to say because you weren't didn't get a chance to do it. So if they do this in L.A., 
uh, I want you to go in fresh, but um, I went and talked to them all after the show and told them exactly why I needed this and why the show is so important to me. That's awesome. Um, so they, so just so they know the kind of effect it had on, on me personally. Um, it may not have been the effect I was supposed to get, but it's the effect I got based on everything else. Yeah, the history was screenshot for me. I, I kind of, I have warmed to their material a little bit more than you have, but you know, I had one show go horribly wrong with them, and it was it was a it, it was a really bad, unpleasant experience for me. And that was really early on when they were still finding themselves. And then their follow-up stuff, when I went back and tried it again, I had the same reaction that you did. It's kind of new agey, but some of it speaks to me. Uh, there, there was one show in downtown Los Angeles they did a couple of years ago where there was a lot of heavy use of sound that I thought was really cool, even though the overall show didn't speak to me. So there, there's glimmers of stuff that I really like with Screenshot. And unfortunately, um, I tried to do this a couple of times and I never timed it correctly. It just like there was always three or four people hovering, waiting for the table to appear and and all that. And I just by the end of the convention, I absolutely ran out of time. Yeah. You know, and there was one moment where there was only one person there. And that was when we had to start getting ready for our panel. So I literally couldn't sit and wait for it to happen. So I am looking forward to this. Um, I've heard a couple of people say they really enjoyed it and, and none of them will say anything about it. So I'm really intrigued. Yeah. And you mentioned the, the sound portion and that's a staple of screenshot, which this show definitely has. Cool. Um, in fact, if you were able to, if you walked by and you looked, there was a curtain and sometimes that curtain was open a little bit. And if you looked in, you could see someone performing live. Yeah. The which, soundtrack was performed live. Yeah, which That's is cool. what I yeah just said. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you know, to it's one thing to have a like custom music and a soundtrack like to go with your show, but to have it be live for each person that goes through, you know, and and, and granted, it was probably very similar, but nothing would be the same, you know, because what if he, you know, there was a lot of keyboard use. A millisecond difference is means it's not the same show, right? Yeah, you know, so that I think that's really cool because it, it's it's different for every person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to see it. Uh, hopefully, it will come back. Yeah, and I I hope so too. And if it does, we'll let you know. While you were doing that, actually, I was upstairs uh, attending a, a panel called "Hollywood Goes Immersive: Creating Next Level Experiences for Entertainment Marketing." So this kind of had a business vibe to it. It was hosted by uh, Brian Bishop, who is a journalist that we know and have encountered at numerous events. And love. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, nice headshot, Brian. Um, so <laughs> people were giving him crap about his headshot. Uh, so um, this actually uh, featured... Uh, people who work in the industry of creating experiential marketing. And uh, I, I'm just going to do a quick takeaway, Mike, because I, I know that you weren't there for the whole panel. Right. Yeah. After the after screenshot, I went in and I probably caught the last half hour. Well, the reason I wanted to go to this is because it it covers something that you and I are both interested in, in this, this concept. And they actually spoke about things like the... Um, uh, it house the Niebold house that was a pop-up event in Los Angeles to advertise the it remake 
and things like The Strangers, uh, a pop-up, which advertises The Strangers sequel. And they were talking about the Castle Rock event that just happened in San Diego Comic-Con and the Westworld event that was at South by Southwest and all of these weird pop-up things. And they were talking about how this is growing because more and more companies are being interested in creating events like this. But overall, a lot of people need to still be educated as to what this is. And it sounds everyone on the panel and they're all professionals working on these kind of events all seem to have the same attitude that the audience is still being found. People still need to be educated as to how to interact with these and companies need to know what is the benefit and what is the cost. And that's what's something that is still trying to be reckoned with and figured out of these are costly events. These are really expensive to stage. And if companies don't feel they're getting their worth out of it, they're not going to continue. And we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. And we love these kind of events, and they're really cool. And we are lucky enough to live in a large, major market where these events quite often drop in. Um, One of the things that came up was a few years ago, Blumhouse toured. They did a 10-city tour of a pop-up escape room to advertise one of the Purge movies. And they did a Purge live event here in Los Angeles. So it is expanding. It is going to other cities. Uh, There's some pop-up stuff happening apparently later in Chicago this year. So all of this stuff is growing, but it comes down to, well, companies, if they're going to continue this, they need to be able to do a cost-benefit analysis. And, And this really was an industry panel where they were talking about marketing numbers and they were talking about cost and they're... And and the big takeaway for me was nobody knows the future of this, even though it will probably stay in some form. Like companies are still figuring out, well, how much money do we throw at it? And Universal is going to have much more money to throw at it than the small little independent horror film that wants to make a splash. And it's the part of it is the social media presentation because you cannot predict and you will never be able to predict social media reaction to one of these events. And that's one of the things that I found most interesting. And I think that's what people after the panel were just buzzing about was the cost per person. Yeah. Because we, nobody ever knew, you know, as fans, you know, and, and, and as, and me, like someone who does work within marketing sometimes, that's, I've always wondered that, you know, it's like, how is this, how do they make, how do they do it? Like, how do they make sure this budget is okay? And how are they measuring it? And the thing is, they still don't know, Yeah, which is scary. And they, they threw out some numbers based on, on how much everything costs divided that by the amount of people that went through and the number dollar amount per person. It's like, I was worried we're never going to see anything like this again based yeah, on that, that price. I think, I think that's part of the takeaway of this panel is the concern of like you have to justify it somehow. And, you know, they brought up one example where there was a viral video advertising a movie and the movie bombed. But the viral video was super cool and everyone loved it. So is that a factor in the success of the movie or is it not a factor? 
you know, and if it's if the if the studio thinks it is a factor of we spent all this money to create a video and we were lucky enough to it, we went viral because you can never predict and you can never go out and like I'm going to create a viral video because you just can't do that. It depends on the people clicking. So it was a fascinating conversation. It was very industry related, and uh, I I think the takeaway is we as an audience will continue to support this, but as companies, it's like they're going to have to figure out how much money they're going to spend on it. And I think that's going to depend on the success of the products advertised. That's my personal opinion. And then I think there's also a cool factor. And that was one of the things I mentioned in this panel is sometimes everyone, you know, everyone talks about the Westworld thing because it was, it was such a cool concept and it's it's now become this thing like it would have been so cool to experience it or it was so cool that I got to experience it and it will never be done again because the show has moved on and everything else has moved on. So it was a flash in the pan. It was this, you know, lightning striking this one particular event and then it went away. So companies will have to figure out of like, is that word of mouth worth it? And word of mouth in at least in my business of television and movies and all of that, word of mouth is gold. You know, it can kill you or it can raise you to the heavens because it is, it can literally change your fortune. Yeah. And that's the thing too, because I'm looking at this as like, how do you onboard people from an activation or an installation? And I think it's easier for movies because, okay, cool. Like I can spend 10 bucks. Like this was mm-hmm. cool. Right. But for things like Castle Rock or Westworld, it's like, oh, this is cool. But do I want to spend $9 a month on Hulu to watch it? Right. Or, or do I want to yeah. spend however much HBO costs a month like yeah. to watch Westworld? You know? And it's like, and that's the thing. Like, sure, it can create a buzz, but how are they monetarily getting back yeah it came up on the panel of how do you prove that that activation caused someone to actually subscribe to whatever the channel or outlet is that is is give, delivering the product that was advertised so and that's really hard to figure out mm-hmm. you know and in the case of the movie that i just mentioned the movie was bad so it was a really cool viral video and had you know millions of hits but the movie was bad so if the movie tanks is it just because the movie's bad? So it, yeah. it, it was a fascinating conversation to me. I, I, I absolutely loved that panel. Yeah, it was a good one. Made you think. Yeah, it made and, you think a lot about the areas that we are, what we're drawn to and where we play. And in a weird way, it makes you, it's, it's a two-part thing, but it makes you realize just how much money can be blown without caring about how they're going to make it back. Yeah. And the second part of that is, is like how much money they are spending on us to court us to try to buy their products. Right. Which is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And goes back to we are the word of mouth. Mm -hmm. I think it's intelligent for companies to continue doing this because of that factor, because of the unknown factor, because when it pays off, it pays off big. Yeah. And Mike. I am so excited by what I did next. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So a few years ago, you and I had an experience where we failed to get out of a little mini escape room. Yes. 
Uh, this was Crossroads The Asylum, which is a little 10-minute mini-escape game. But I want to say they had it much more difficult back then. Well, actually, yeah. And what we did is we were the... I think we were the very first people to ever do it live on a convention floor, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, maybe. I, th- I think we were. We were either the first two or the second two to ever do it live on a convention floor. And I know for a fact that even later that day, they changed one of the puzzles inside. Uh, we did not escape. And uh, I had the chance because uh, my friend Justin, our friend I, Justin, <laughs> creator of Miasma in Chicago. Okay, our friend Justin. Jeez. <laughs> One of the and he he asked me in advance like you know things to you know things that I was aware of and I said okay since you're coming in from out of town and you haven't had a chance to do Crossroads Hex Room Escape or their Funhouse Escape Room, which are must dos if you're an Escape Room fan here in California, uh, it's like you need to try to sign up. And so he did get signed up for a spot, and I was able to go back and try it again, the new version of the Asylum, with him. And I am so happy to say that we actually escaped. Nice. So uh, I don't know. I don't think that we ever heard. We were just so freaking happy that we got out that I don't think we ever heard how long we did it in. <laughs> Uh, but it was really fun, and I, they're talking about retiring that mini escape game, which I made, makes me very sad because I think it's so clever and so good. Uh, and and the mini escape game itself is they have this weird double straight jacket that holds two people. And it's, it's actually sort of like two single straight jackets, and they strap you together next to each other, and so and then they lock you together with multiple padlocks. Uh, both key, number, and letter padlocks. And then they put you in a small padded cell, and there's clues uh, in the padded cell that uh, give you the secrets of how to unlock the locks. That's the mini-escape game, and you have 10 minutes to do it. And uh, we succeeded. Justin and I actually got out, and uh, it's just super fun. Which, by the way, I don't... Did you have the conversation with him of if and how much his mind was blown because we live here we see so much of this stuff almost to a point where we take it for granted like we'll go to midsummer scream like oh yep usual suspects are here like this guy this guy this guy we can go see them next week if we wanted to but coming from chicago where none of this is like did his head just explode yeah and and i i had a conversation yes it did i think um, we had a conversation with some of the immersive stuff he's seen, some of it good, some of it not so great in Chicago. Uh, in this escape room, Mike, Justin became me when I'm with you in an escape room. <laughs> because, so he didn't know what to do? No, it wasn't that. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> that came out a little too fast for my comfort. That's what she said. Uh, oh, <laughs> So we're in this straight jacket and and you they kind of leave like one hand where you can actually manipulate some stuff. So we we they closed the door. The first thing Justin did was he looked around and he was like this is so cool. This is amazing. I was like I love that <laughs> which is what I do. And like damn it focus on the puzzles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and I, I, you know, and I'm like, no, no, let's look for clues. Let's look for clues. And uh, a proper credit to Justin, there was a stupidly obvious moment that I completely overlooked. And (laughs) and it was just like, wait, there has to be this. There has to be this. There has to be this. And so we kind of like, because we were still kind of like tied side by side, we rotated and and Justin was like, oh, it's, it's right here. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sounds about like, right. Oh, uh, why didn't I notice that? <laughs> so yes, we had a we had a very fun time. That was awesome. Um, and I will say, uh, one of the clues is the same from when you and I did it, and I almost didn't figure it out again. It's that's a really tricky clue and i kept looking at it and looking at it and justin was looking at it and we both were getting the same solution it was like okay there's something there's something wrong it's like and what it is is it's like i'm looking for five things and i've only found four and it was and when it hit me it was like oh my gosh wow okay that's right in front of me so which we'll talk about later but that happened another time over the course of the weekend <laughs> but no the the crossroads mini escaping was awesome it was great that i was able to you know have the opportunity and that thing booked out for the entire day very very quickly i, I think that that game has a reputation of being so much fun that people are, are now aware of it and i i personally hope they don't retire it because i think it's such a clever little game i love that well game. it depends if they have a new game at conventions then yes I get it, but if I totally get that, but we don't know. But I love this game. I know it's great. This game is really fun. So uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. So I, I I was very happy to have that opportunity. Like what two years down the road to actually try that again, and uh, it was great. So we made it out. Nice. And rumor has it their new room will be open later this year, which That's is super right. exciting. Yes, and they have some they have some clever stuff planned for that. They've they've dropped hints about the the plot and story for that that sounds really interesting and they did drop hints if you knew what to say yes there was a code phrase that they released so uh that was awesome pay attention to emails people yes (laughs) after that where did you go i just wandered the floor which was awesome there was so much cool stuff and i'm so happy i want to thank you for pointing me to something i didn't realize that they had one of the on-screen used masks from the upcoming Halloween film there oh, at yeah. one of the booths. Uh, and uh, it, it was, that thing is beautiful. It, it's so so interestingly designed. I, I, I think it's a beautiful mask. Uh, and, you know, there's so many arts and crafts and fun stuff to... There was a couple of mini puzzles here and there that you could play. And... Uh, it just, it, it, there was a little bit of everything for everyone on the vendor floor. And the vendor floor this year, Mike, was huge. Yeah, it was. <laughs> really? That, that's all you got? What did you, what, what, did you see um, anything interesting? <laughs> no, because honestly, the vendor floor isn't what I'm there for. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's like, I just took that, that time right after that panel. Like, I, I had an hour or so that I, that's what I did was I just wandered and looked at all of the cool stuff. Um, and I tried to get, I tried to do a couple of the VR things and the lines were just too long. Uh, so, but after that, I know we both ended up at the same panel later that afternoon. Yeah. We both ended up at, and they will touch you physical contact guidelines within immersive theater. And that was hosted by someone we know, someone who has touched us. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Josh Randall, a co-creator of blackout. Yeah. And if anyone should be giving a talk and lesson on touching people it should be josh take that for how you want to (laughs) yeah i will say that uh, um a general note about the panels in general this year i (laughs) a general note about the panels in general yeah (laughs) wow i didn't even notice that um there were several panels this year at midsummer scream that i thought were 
so good about being timely, about being relevant right now at this moment. And we already talked about the, you know, Hollywood Goes Immersive panel. This panel is one of those. This panel is so needed in the Southern California area right now. And I hope to hell that people who were at this panel heard and absorbed the information that Josh Randall was giving because that man has got a decade plus experience with this subject matter. And you and I have both heard stories of people being injured, of people being roughed up, incor- roughed up incorrectly, being roughed up in a way that is not safe in haunts here in Southern California and in other cities. So there have been some really bad incidents in the haunt scene over the last couple of years. And if anyone knows the subject matter, it's Josh Randall. And I don't know how you felt about his presentation, Mike, but I love the fact that he literally, he literally pulled out notes and was like, okay, let's do this. And it was gold. It was so much intelligently approached material to a subject matter that is a delicate subject matter. And and that's the thing too. I think blackout, you know, once, um, you know, that, that place in San Diego got like all on like the Buzzfeed list and everything, I think people started lumping extreme haunts into that. And it's like, Oh, all extreme haunts are like this. And Josh even joked about it saying like, yeah, all of a sudden blackout became the torture thing. Like we tortured people. We did this, we did that. And, I think that the problems that you had just mentioned are people creating shows based on that, like folklore, I guess you could call it, or that, that urban might be legend. It, yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, they do this. Okay, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it even worse, you know, not realizing that whatever is being done, you know, like Josh, you know, kind of took us behind the curtain of blackout a little yeah, bit, which like, absolutely. was like, Oh my God. You know? And one of the things you said is like, if I come at you and bear hug you and throw you against the wall, it's for your safety because we don't want you to trip. We need to guide you. And I think that people don't, I mean, obviously people don't realize that, but if you're creating a show, an extreme show and you're doing bear hugging for the sake of bear hugging, you that's, can crutch someone. That's you when things go someone. wrong. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, like there were so many moments in this panel that I went, oh my gosh, I'm so happy he just said that. I am so happy he's bringing up this point. Yeah. Like this this is one of the best panels I have ever seen at a convention, hands down. And 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 I, I think people know that I have a history of going to multiple blackout shows. I'm a you huge... do? <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, I am a fan of their work. And I and also something that you brought up just now, like Blackout always worked best for me in the quiet moments, mm-hmm. in the psychological moments. And it and and physical aggression. Like a lot of times the blackout shows don't have much of it. And as Josh said, it's usually moving you. It's usually getting you to do something to get you to the next scene or something along those lines. So this idea of blackout tortures people, no, you know, and I'm, and I'm so happy that he flat out said is like, oh, everyone says blackout waterboards people like, no, they don't. Right. That's, that's not what waterboarding is. And I'm so glad that he was very specific about things like that in this conversation of like, no, people say this about us. We have never done that, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and if you, if you 
take this conversation and you apply it to other haunts. And there were people in the audience asking questions of like, this happened to me in a haunt. And Josh was able to to go like, okay, well, this is a way that could have been, been avoided, or this is something that they may not have taken this into consideration if that happened. Yeah, it's too bad that none of those creators were at this panel. Yeah, that I was very aware of that. <laughs> course <laughs> yeah and i i come to find out that they're they're mm, wow i mean i i'm having that brain moment of like do i really want to say this there was a creator from another state who has a reputation of of really questionable behavior and they were not at that panel you know and i know they were at this convention i there are not enough there's not enough praise for me to put on midsummer scream for getting this panel up and getting Josh Randall to host it because this was needed information. And like I said, the, the immersive panel, um, there's numerous panels uh, of the fact that they had Warner brothers there announcing their stuff. They're so good at timely stuff. This is so timely. And, and I thought it was so good. And I want to thank Josh Randall for being brutally open and honest yeah about good things about bad things well it's important because in something like this people can and have gotten seriously hurt yeah and it's like i i you know you know this mike i have been hurt inside a haunt Mm -hmm. it affected me for probably a couple of years and you've seen that effect on me Mm -hmm. that because somebody was stupid and because an actor wasn't trained correctly, I got injured, you know, and then, and I, I'll be honest, another injury that I sustained was a complete mistake, it was completely like, oh, an actor literally, and, and, I, and I'll divulge this, I was in a haunt where an actor misjudged a jump and split my toenail in half. And I wouldn't, mm. yeah, I literally had to tape my toenail on for three months. That was a mistake. And I, I realized mistakes happen, especially in a stream of haunts. That's not what Josh Randall was talking about. Josh Randall was talking about the prevention, about how you categorize each actor and what they're doing and how they're doing it and the technique involved. And he literally physically demonstrated, don't come at someone like this, grab someone like this. You know, it became a somewhat hands-on you know, demonstration of, and, and he was always, this is why. And the fact that he's got such, uh, so many years of experience doing this is like, I, this was one of the highlights of me for the convention because of the information given. You know, there's always been workshops, um, like you went to some for theater, like, like with like third rail and like speakeasy. I feel like this could and should be a workshop. Oh yeah. And like, you know, once, once every couple months or something like just for people to learn, because there was so much information that needs to be out there and be to show people how to do things correctly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I just thought of something else. Um, stage combat. I have, I have training in stage combat. Uh, and granted it was many years ago, but it's like how to, you know, how to choke someone theatrically is somewhat different than how to choke someone in a haunt for an extreme effect. But there are very similar principles. But if you're trained in stage combat, it's not the same thing as this. There are There's more medical stuff. Because in stage combat, it's all about slowing everything down and making it look a certain way by keeping everyone safe. And, you know, I have training in that. I'm picturing you, like... <laughs> 
walking down the street about to get in like you, you know you get cornered you're about to get in a fight and then you just start doing stage combat stuff and yeah. like the people are just i like, would be killed what, immediately what are you doing and they just walk away <laughs> so uh but yeah i i have some of that training in my background and but you know i love the fact that you know josh was so specific about this and it's for medical reasons it's for safety reasons it's not just for appearance like because if you're touching someone in a haunt, there is a safety factor, even if it's just to guide them. You know, and I look. You, uh, I've actually told the story in this podcast where I tripped in a haunt and was saved by an actor. This is stuff that Josh Randall gave information, useful information on how to prevent much of that from ever happening in the first place. Which there are haunts out there who are not paying attention to this kind of stuff, and they are hurting people. We need to be cautious. So thank you, Midsummer Scream. Thank you, Josh Randall. That was that was one of the highlights of the entire weekend, for me anyway. Yeah, the I mean, that was a great ending to my day, like seeing that, you know, and, and just, you know, because we're such fans of Blackout, being able to hear like stories like that, it was just like, oh, that's, it, it made my respect for Blackout go so much higher. Oh, yeah. You know, so uh, that was that was the last thing I did that day. I, after that, I just wandered the floor a bit and then went home to sleep. <laughs> you were a smart decision because <laughs> I didn't get much sleep. Uh, I hung out. As you mentioned, our friend Justin from Chicago was in town. And uh, Justin is the creator of Miasma, uh, which is a extreme immersive theater haunt experience in Chicago. Uh, he's been running for several years now. And one of the reasons he came, I'm just going to, I'm going to continue my little tirade. One of the reasons he came, Mike, is to learn technique, to learn about safety. He was at that panel. You know, I, I did Miasma, his show a couple of years ago, and at all times felt completely safe. You know, and he is a creator that is looking to learn and wanting to you know meet people and learn more from other you know creators and and that's one of the reasons he came was for that panel yeah, he wants to do it right and he wants to evolve yeah exactly and that that's and so what happened is uh after i also wandered the show floor for a while afterwards um and i will we'll talk about haunts a little bit later but i also managed to do a couple of the haunts that day um and there is an after party at a midsummer scream and i think they very wisely this year it's funny convention parties are a hard thing to pull off right it's just they're they're it just it's all these strangers thrown together and to create a cohesive theme or whatever that works for everyone it, it, it just it's a very odd thing to pull off they were really smart this year with midsummer scream of the after party actually they sort of splintered it into multiple different kinds of things. So in the big room, the, uh, the kind of like the ballroom area of the convention center, they had a DJ, they had games that you could play, you know, they had uh, like beanbag tosses and they had uh, ping pong. And uh, I think I saw a shuffleboard, uh, you know, like, uh, like they have in bars. One of those was off in the corner, I think. Uh, a good DJ playing, uh, they had- Was he beat matching? So, uh, yes, he was. Okay. So, um, was he using a laptop? Uh, I didn't get close enough. I think he was, but I'm not sure. Sorry. I, I, if I'm disparaging the DJ, I apologize. Hashtag DJ problems. (laughs) They had dancing ghosts, which were entertaining everyone. (laughs) 
which was absolutely hysterical. Uh, yeah, they were dancing through the crowd and dancing on the stage. And, and, uh, but, uh, so, uh, so that party vibe was very cool. If that's what you were into, uh, I will say one major problem is not enough servers. So people were waiting 40 minutes to buy a drink and the drinks were horribly overpriced. And I heard everyone walking around with a glass complaining. It was, it was I, everyone who walked up to me and they had a glass in their hand were like, do you know how long I had to wait to get this? So it was kind of a buzzkill for the party in the fact that the service was so bad. So I hope that's something that Midsummer Scream heard and will try to alleviate in the future at, at future parties. Uh, and what, but what I mean from, but, but there is, that was a great social vibe. And, uh, you know, I was meeting people, I was catching up with people, I was meeting new people. So that worked really well. The fact that they didn't have a live band this year, I think worked well for me personally, even though I know people loved the concert last year that they did. Uh, it's just like the live band to me is it, it takes away the networking and the socializing aspect of an after party. Uh, that's my personal opinion. Uh, the party room you know, went well, other than people not being able to get drinks. The other thing that they did was they had actually a stage room uh, called the Theater Macabre that Mud the Magnificent, who is a magician guy who we have encountered multiple times, Mike. A magician guy? Magician guy. He's a dead magician. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Allegedly dead. So uh, you'll be your own judge. He performed, actually he performed a couple of times during the night. Uh, he he is a bit of a, how shall we say, naughty magician. <laughs> he does material that is definitely adults only. And it was really fun because, uh, like I said, Justin was there. Justin obviously had never seen Mud perform before. Uh, the, and someone else that we met from San Francisco was there, uh, Jennifer. And like, so it was really nice for me because I was like, oh, have you ever seen this guy? Have you ever seen this guy? I'm like, no, we don't know this guy. So watching them like discover him and his sense of humor. And he really is a really, really funny magician. Um, it was really fun. I was like, I, I actually uh, watched his performance twice basically because uh, uh, I just, I was having such a good time with the audience. Uh, the other thing that happened was, and unfortunately I didn't get to this because again, it's Midsummer Scream. There's so many things going on at the same time. They did a screening of child's play with Tom Holland there. That's rad. With, you know, doing commentary, apparently, and, uh, you know, talking about the movie. I would have loved to have done that, but I was doing other stuff as well. Um, Shockwaves podcast, uh, which is a very, very popular horror-oriented podcast that covers movies and horror stuff. Um, they are part of something called Dead Right Horror Trivia here in Los Angeles. It's once a month. It is extremely popular, usually drawing at least a couple hundred people. I have never been able to manage the time to go, even though it's been going on for a few years now. Uh, I was so excited, Mike, because they did a pop-up version of Dead Right Horror Trivia. So I finally got the chance to sort of see it in action. How'd you do? Uh, they, the way they did this is they would announce a round, and if you thought you knew the subject matter, you could come up on stage. Normally what happens at Dead Right Horror Trivia is they have teams competing against each other. So this was sort of a different rules version. And they jokingly said that they were going to take it easy because this was a pop-up convention version. Dude, the questions. <laughs> oh, my God. Some of the questions were so difficult. Some of them were difficult. Some of them were tricky. 
like, I'm going to give you a death. Name which Friday the 13th sequel that the death occurs oh, in. Oh, wow. So you have to know your Friday the 13th movies, and you have to like be able to tell them apart in your head really fast on the fly. So my favorite category of the evening was they took crew and cast from the Star Wars franchise and asked about horror movies that they were connected to. Hmm. That is a bizarre trivia subject. <laughs> That's a category that you really had to do some research for. But it was a blast. The audience had a great deal of fun. They were handing out prizes right and left. Uh, I would have not done well. <laughs> so I never volunteered. It was just like I was having so much fun just kind of like hanging out watching everyone. But I definitely knew some of the answers and some of them I got wrong in my head. Definitely. The one that shocked me that I got wrong was and, I, and I'm, it was a trivia question there. I'm going to ask you who wrote Maniac Cop? I don't know. And immediately in my head, I was like, oh, I know that. I had the wrong answer in my head. It was Larry Cohen, director, writer of It's Alive and numerous other screenplays. And yeah. See, like I would do horrible at these things because I never know like writers or actors names or anything like. Yeah, but I think you would probably do well at the at like the categories of movies specifically and what comes from different movies. And I think I would probably be a little bit better at the other aspects. Right. So like what people. you're saying is we should team up. Maybe. <laughs> maybe so but i but it was it is i was impressed by some people who had this encyclopedic knowledge uh and i'm i don't my brain doesn't maintain you've done that you've given me movie quotes dude and you look at me like <laughs> how can you not know what i'm quoting <laughs> so i had a blast and i'm so happy that they did that and it, it was yeah it was great it was um really 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 fun and i had a great time i'm so glad to finally have the chance to kind of get a vibe for dead right horror trivia and, I, and i'm going to actually plug something on the shockwaves podcast real quick if that interests you and you're not in the california area and listening to this shockwaves podcast is a really fun casual conversation between four people uh Ryan, Rob, Elric, and Rebecca, and they are, between the four of them, they have encyclopedic knowledge of horror movies and genre stuff. It's really cool. They they turn you on to a whole bunch of, I, I joked, I actually had the chance to meet Rebecca finally. It was one of the one of member of that team that I hadn't met. And I told her that she drives me crazy on the podcast in a good way because she's always naming these obscure movies. And I usually come to you like, have you ever heard of this movie? <laughs> and it's usually something Rebecca has named. Um, but if you want a taste of Dead Right Horror Trivia and you're not in the Los Angeles area, they did one podcast not long ago, and you can search the Shockwaves library, where they actually played the trivia among the four of them That's cool. on the show. And, dude, the categories were so hard and the questions were so difficult, but it is a blast making the guess and playing along. So that I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, if you're if not in the Los Angeles area and you've never had a chance to do Dead Right Horror Trivia, even if you are in this area, that's a that's a good way of getting a taste of it, which I was able to do live here uh, at Midsummer Scream. But only after you listen to ours. So, that's right. <laughs> so, and then that sort of wrapped up my night, I thought, and then I wound up back at the hotel having a drink. Uh, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and it was just, yeah, so the, the night, kept, I kept saying goodnight to everyone, and then it just kept going, So which happens at conventions. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I managed to grab a few hours of sleep, and then uh, we came back for Sunday. And did I wake you up? Because you sounded pretty torn up when I called you Sunday morning. No, actually, uh, 
actually, I met Justin and uh, we were grabbing a quick breakfast because I made the mistake the day before of not eating a good breakfast. And they say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Just stop. <laughs> because when I called you, I had a very specific question. Yes, you did. Um, because Dawson and I were at the convention and walking around and realized that we did not do the Cromwell Estate escape room the day before. Well, this was interesting. This is one of those things that, like when you called me and said, you know, like, hey, they have a time available at this. Are you available? Uh, I had completely missed that they were there. There's so much at this convention yeah. now. I And I, at one point, I know I, le- I walked by them at least once and didn't realize it was these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I called you be like, yep. hey, do you, are you free at this time? Because we're, I'm going to sign sign us up. And the cool thing was, this was a versus. Yeah. So it was two versus two. Uh, <laughs> it was Dawson and I, Dawson from the Clown House, versus you and Justin. Yep. So what happened, Russell? <laughs> uh, you and Dawson won. <laughs> By a lot. Um, we had, apparently at that point, we had the second fastest time. Um, really? By only about three seconds. Well, yeah. And um, Justin and I had the moment. And that's about how much time you had left when you escaped is about three seconds. So <laughs> so, oh, we had like 35 seconds. No, you did not. Oh, I thought we had, I thought he no, said you 35 had, seconds. you had under 10. What? Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I thought he said 35. Oh, maybe he wanted to make you feel better. Oh uh, yeah, right. So, uh, no, I, I, this was, first of all, what a fun escape room. Yes. And we still haven't done their regular rooms. Yeah, which we, we have to rectify. We have to do yes. that. This was so much fun. And the versus factor, the fact that it was two teams competing each other, it was so much fun. And it, it was very funny because when you guys escaped, Justin and I obviously heard you escape. Because <laughs> we were right next to you in a, in a separate room. It's two rooms right next to each other mm-hmm. and they're identical is, is how this works. And so the, you know, the first door that opens is the winning team. I will admit that Justin and I... Uh, I, I think Justin made the same mistake I did. We did the silly escape room thing of you see a clue and the clue is sort of attached to something and you go, oh, obviously at some point I'm going to need that information to do something over there. Mm-hmm. And that was the complete mistake. It was like, actually, that was the very first thing we needed. And so we were working on this sort of the second clue and we were trying to use that information to do the first thing we had to solve. That's what happened. And, and I be, I'm looking at you and, and I'm saying that because you'll understand perfectly. Yeah. It's like because there's numbers involved in both things. And we, so we were using the wrong thing and getting the wrong numbers. And then at one point, uh, we, we, we kind of like both Justin and I almost at the same moment. You know, like, okay, what are we doing wrong? Okay, let's look at this. Let's look at that. Look, there's something over here which we obviously can't work with yet. So we both kind of turned around at the same time and went, oh, well, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> Being that it's actually numbered in chronological order. <laughs> so, yeah, we both had that moment of like, wow, we're doofuses. Um, but, yeah, I uh, and then when we unhooked that, we it, things went really smoothly for us uh until we got to the final which by the way is a really cool little moment final thing got revealed that we had to solve and it took us it took us about a minute to kind of figure out like wait 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 and what we hadn't done is in that middle puzzle i'm making (laughs) making all these hand (laughs) gestures to mike in the middle puzzle we hadn't put certain things in the right order Mm -hmm. and i said we have to obviously do something here and as soon as we did that 
the the path got revealed right of what we we're supposed to do the the final pattern of it's like you have to do this it's kind of like stand on your you know stand on one foot pat your head and rub your stomach it was like that ending so really me strange yeah what are you talking about so the very last thing you did you had to do in a very specific way or pattern I don't know what you're talking about, but I do know that there was a different puzzle in each room. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. It sounds like whatever you had to do at that point, that might be the the different puzzle. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, Because we, we had to do something in a very specific way to get the door to open. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was, that was it. Got it. It it was, it was a pattern ish sort of thing. Interesting. So yeah, that sounds like it might've been different for you. Hmm. Yeah, it was definitely. Okay. So Mike and I just compared notes off microphone and yes, there were two absolutely completely different puzzles. Yes. (laughs) Yours sounds probably a little bit harder maybe than ours was and you still got out faster. (laughs) Great. It's all all good. (laughs) Damn it. But so, but but yeah, like really, really fun. This was super fun. Cromwell Estate. Yeah. And it was different from the one they had last year. Um, Last year it was just one room and I think you could put up to four people in there as well. But having, being able to compete against your friends. Oh yeah. You know, that's always good. So much fun. Like even though, you know, we destroyed you, you know, it's still. Yeah, you did. You did. I I will admit that. (laughs) It's still a fun time. And I love when there's a versus aspect to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I love when escape rooms we like do new things. Yeah, very cool. And you like it when you win. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> so what did you do after that defeat? Def- it was so, a defeat. We so escaped. early in the morning. All right, it was a defeat in the fact that we lost to you guys. It was not a defeat. We escaped the room. Okay. Give well, me... I'm glad it didn't ruin the rest of your day. Well, give me some credit. <laughs> give Justin some credit. <laughs> Um, I ran upstairs and was able to grab a seat at a 15 minute sort of, oh, I, they, they say at the end of the show, this was an act one of a three act event, uh, from force of nature productions. They were doing fallen saints, which fallen saints is the name of their sort of Halloween time show which they've done various things over the past couple of years uh they did an immersive seance kind of thing a couple of years ago that was really cool that we both liked um last year they did a dias de los marches i can never pronounce that correctly you're so white and i (laughs) i work on a show i'm i'm literally right now at work working on something that deals with the subject matter well you're literally not at work right now well all right literally You're just not giving me anything. No slack today. So um, I thought you didn't like slack. So I, I hate slack. Slack is a horrible invention. It's ruining our culture. Um, uh, where was I? I'm, <laughs> so I'm actually working at, at at my job. I actually am dealing with the subject matter, and it's Dias de los Muertos and the Day of the Dead, and. Um, they did a show last year that was a sort of a, a you know in the round performance of a really dark, really incredibly dark, uh, tragic tale of a family that is destroyed. And this year, this was sort of the first act of something that they're doing for the Fallen Saints uh, uh, entry in their series, and it's very, 
very dark and it's very stylized. I don't want to go into too much detail because this is a show that's coming back to Los Angeles and is going to be open fairly soon. Um, I will say that it is about looking at childhood fears and fear in general in our lives and where darkness comes from in our lives and how we handle it. And the chapter one, the the act one that we saw, dealt mainly with how childhood fears are born. And a very stylized performance. Uh, we actually, uh, the um, uh, her name is Gloria, uh, who plays the, the lead in what we saw at um, Midsummer Scream, uh, has performed numerous shows that we've been to uh, before at uh, Zombie Joe's Underground and at Fallen Saints. Um, she's quite wonderful in this and quite mischievous and malevolent at the same time. So uh, it was a very interesting little piece. I am really looking forward to the the, the full production of this. And I'm going to I'm going to mention something that because th- this is the thing with all of this type of um, theater that it's sort of a little bit vignette oriented, even though there's definitely an overall theme tying everything together here. By the way, for a convention show, Mike, like Zombie Joe's also, which was literally performing almost next door, the lighting, the sound was so effective and they managed to get a couple of really good, effective, creepy moments. There was one freaking awesome jump scare in this show that got everyone. Nice. It was, and it was, and it was just like, wait, I'm in a freaking conference room at a convention center and they managed to get me to yelp like I'm in a haunt. Oh, you reviewed it right there? So, <laughs> no. <laughs> yelp is, wow. <laughs> uh, it's one of those days. It is one of those days. Uh, so yeah, and I actually, it, it, and it is, it was, it was a great lighting and sound effect combined with what the actors were doing. It was a really effective moment. Uh, so this show deals with, you know, the, like the beginning of the show, uh, the act that we saw dealt with childhood fears and how they're born. And, um, I thought it was quite lovely. I walked out and had a conversation with someone that absolutely it didn't speak to them. And their attitude was like, you know what? I get it. It just didn't work for me. It's not my cup of tea. And I think it's that sort of, it's, I don't want to say melodrama in a bad way, but it is a very stylized narration. And uh, it's it's sort of a, it's like, we're going to show you something dark. And then they actually expand on that. And I don't know if it was the, the trajectory of the plot. I don't know what it was, but he just said style-wise, it didn't speak to him. So I, I find it interesting that, because I walked in, I was like, I am so in for this show. I am 100% seeing this show when it opens. Uh, and he and he was like, well, not so much for me. So I, I just, I, I always find it interesting when I talk to someone who had such a different reaction than I did. It's always interesting to see because that it definitely spoke to me, didn't speak to, speak to him. So I thought that was kind of cool that I was actually able to have the conversation with someone that it didn't work for. So, but I'm in for this, dude, and I think yeah, I think you would really enjoy it. I know you didn't. Wait, you didn't have a chance. I to didn't see get it. a chance to see it. Yeah, yeah, I know because I I know I'd recommended it to you, and you didn't think for the rest of the day that you'd be able to because we had the panel and stuff later. So, um, but yeah, it was like I really enjoyed this and thought it was very creepy. It's not full flat out horror. It's creepy get under your skin horror. And so I'm I'm definitely in for this. So and they will be coming back later in the season with a full three act show apparently. So 
after Fallen Saints, um, what did you do? Well, I did something which you actually also did, but later in the day. Yes. Which there were lots of little pop-up sort of immersive things going on at the convention. You mentioned the thing where you had to find a table, which led you to something else. Well, this was another one of those. Uh, Before the convention, uh, Stash House Escape Room had let people know that uh, there might be somebody who wanted to talk to them if they could figure out how to make it happen. And basically, we found somebody in the lobby, and uh, they sent us on a little bit of a mission. And I did this also. I did this with uh, Justin from Chicago, and he and I... Uh, how much detail do you want to go about this? I because um just because I don't know if it's going to be repeated, right? Um, probably shouldn't should um because there is some funny stuff that happened that I'd, I'd kind of like to share, but I don't want to <laughs> don't yeah. give something away. But I don't see this happening outside of a convention. That's true. Uh, let's just see see what we can. Okay, do. Let, let's like it. Let, let's not reveal completely what goes on. The, I, the basic mission is is pretty clear and, and immediate evident that um, the storyline of Stash House involves uh, a character named Ray. It's not a storyline. It's a world. Okay, it's a world. Uh, and in this world, Ray is sort of the guy who likes to call the shots. And no, he is. What? Why are you talking about Ray like that, man? So, <laughs> like you know he's going to listen. He, I is the shot caller okay he is the boss he is the guy he is the guy but for some reason in this particular circumstance uh he was trying to let's say do a business deal that that i don't think other people had quite the confidence in that he did yeah he needed some help so that's where we came in and we were told that we had to go find something um on the show floor and we had to in, in, interact with someone and we had to, con- I guess this would be safe to say, we had to convince them of something. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was fascinating because this put this much more than an immersive experience that was happening to you. Like you were given a task and like and it, was, it was literally like, this is not what happens. But it was like, hey, go convince that person to loan you money. Yeah. It's like, go convince that person to pull in their, pull out their wallet and give you a dollar. It was like it was that level of like okay you accept the stakes were higher for Ray than than that mm-hmm. <laughs> so you we had to go find someone and then we had to engage with them and then that person sort of judged whether or not we succeeded in accomplishing the task. I saw you after you did this, but before I did. Yes, and one of the things that you said was how Justin reacted and what he said is that was the most immersive thing that I've seen all weekend. Yeah. And because, and that was really interesting to me because it's stash house. It's an escape room. This was not an escape room. You no. didn't have to find a key. You didn't have to find a code. It was an immersive event. Yeah. Like plain and simple. That's what it was. Yeah. And, and it's a situation where in this particular scenario, you actually became a character. Mm-hmm. And I think... Even to people who weren't participating. <laughs> yes, that happened a little bit around us. Um, the person on the on the showroom floor that you had to find, people kept interrupting and kept wanting them to uh, engage with them and talk to them. And, and so that person had to kind of play along. 
and and like even though they were there specifically sort of as this immersive experience um yeah justin did make that comment afterwards and i think the reason is because of that aspect of this is you had the task of you you here i know how to how to say this we weren't solving a problem and we were not figuring out a puzzle that's what we were not doing i mean technically we were well but it was it was a task that you had to achieve. It wasn't it wasn't a code. Puzzle. No, it was not a code. Yeah. There was no there was no solution of like, oh look, Eureka! I unlocked the door. Yeah, it wasn't. There was, a, oh my god, look! I shone the black light over this, and it tells me what to do. Yeah, it, it, exactly. That there is no moment like that for us. There was a moment near the very end where somebody kind of gave us a a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and then said, "Well, I have to go." make a decision so we didn't know if we had done it right or not right and so same you, same with 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 melissa and i did it yeah. yeah so uh so the fascinating thing for me and i think this was a little bit different for you is we were you know we were talking to this character we were engaging this character and then suddenly that character left and did that happen to you yes he um he had to take a break right uh, he had to go relax wink wink on his break right um and i helped him do that i was an enabler of sorts and Uh but before he left he's like look can you just man the booth for till i get back and so we went on the other side of the table and we became him that's (laughs) uh we did a variation of that but uh we we were kind of in escape room mode so when that person took their break and and I, I you and I have talked that we know that it was a different performer for it was a different person that we met. Yeah, we did you well we met with Crow Blackwood. Um I met with a woman. Okay. And I mean I guess Crow is pretty unisex. Yeah. Yeah. So um, crowblackwood.com. But you you met with a guy, right? Yes. Yeah, I I met with a woman. Uh and Justin and I talked to her for a little while and we sort of we didn't enable her break, we didn't help her break. But we offered her something which I think inspired her to take a break. Mm-hmm. And um, and she kind of said, hey, there's stuff here that you might be able to use. <laughs> and so we went into escape room mode and we, and we were trying to figure out we were looking through her stuff. Uh, she had a bag, which I literally think was her personal belongings. We went through them. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were like. I don't know if we're supposed to be doing this. I have no clue what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Uh, But I'm searching this person's personal belongings. I feel so wrong. Uh, Which I think is wonderful that they, that that we felt so awkward and so weird. Well, because you're not thieves. So yeah, exactly. It it made us very uncomfortable, I think. And uh, Justin, uh, Justin was a little quiet. Uh, I kept, I kept literally looking at Justin trying to like get him to talk more. Uh, which I've done to you at times <laughs> during things, Mike, and you usually don't. And Justin, Justin was kind of quiet, and and then I handed him something, and then at, like like he got engaged uh, a little bit later uh, when when a prop had to be used. But uh, but yeah, and so we were then as we were doing our like going through personal belongings and things like that, we found a couple of things around the table that I thought, well, maybe this is it and then somebody walked up and interrupted us 
And come to find out, that was sort of the person that we were actually supposed to be engaging with. And the first person was a bit of a red herring, I think, uh, which was really clever. And so then we had to like, oh, this is the person that we have to like convince to do something for us. And like I said, I didn't know how to do that. And so what I did is I literally used the props on the table and I said, we'd give, been given a little bit of information about this guy. And I literally got him. I like handed him props. I like, hey, do me a favor, do this. And I'm handing him stuff from the table and he's engaging. And and I I kind of led into this, you know, because the, the, the story had, how do I put this? There, you could, I guess you could, if you could almost interpret a supernatural vibe to it, if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I ran with that and I was like, hey. I was like, do you believe in this stuff? Do you? And I was like, oh, you know what? And and then, and literally when he touched one of the props, I was like, why did you choose that? It's like, obviously you chose that. And I used that kind of against him. Right. You know, and that that's how I did it. Using your magician tricks. <laughs> but he's just like, well, obviously this has meaning. It's like, like you did this. It was, it's on you completely. So obviously you have to do this. You know, <laughs> that's kind of how I did it. How did you, how did you realize, like, how did you get to that point where you knew that, that you were landing the task correctly? We didn't. I know, but how did you, what, what did you use to persuade? Because one of the, the, when you meet, when you find the guy you're supposed to find, yeah. like to start the experience, one of the things uh, that you find out is it has to be undercover. It has to be secret. Right. Don't let them know. Don't let them know you're onto them. Don't let, don't like, you know, follow them. Yeah. So once we spoke to the person that we needed to speak to and they got up and left, we waited a couple seconds and then tried to follow them. Because we thought they were going to lead us to the final person. And with the floor the way it was and how packed it was and how quick she darted away, we lost her. So Mm -hmm. we spent like a couple few minutes like just going like around looking for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you said you were enacting with a guy, I thought. Yeah. And he went on break. And the the person that came to the table was a woman. Oh, I understand. Okay, got it. Um, And so we were looking for her, and ultimately we found her in the back of the booth, which was not part of it. And that's when we were like, oh, okay, we're we're done. And then then that's when Melissa got a message from Ray, and she's like, oh, we're good. It worked. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yours. So, okay, this is fascinating because you obviously had a very different experience. Yeah, and on top of that, we had someone that was not part of the show that thought we were a legit operation. Yeah, that actually, uh, we walk when we walked up to engage the person, they were engaged with someone who thought they were a legit operation and were offering a service, and like the the, the like <laughs> Justin very subtly. Um, displayed something on his body. Wait, that came out way wrong. (laughs) That came out way wrong. Um, After a night with you in a hotel, look what happened. Hey, wait a minute. (laughs) So, um, yeah, he kind of like, like visually did something where he's like, hey, I think we might need to talk to you. And so that person sent the other people away and let them know. They're like, hey, our time is done. And like, you know, hope, you know, hope I provided something. And like those people left and then we were actually able to engage them. So, so, 
the interesting thing is like literally they hid someone in this convention at one of the booths that people thought was a legitimate service and were trying to engage them and at times they had to fake it and they had to they had to like vamp until someone like you or me showed up or Justin or Melissa showed up and like, yeah, we have a task and we're going to engage you and we're going to try to achieve something. So the fact that that was sort of kind of going on was such an element of fun. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why Justin reacted the way he did was the fact that, that when you got to the end, there was no Eureka moment, right? There was no, we unlock the lock, we open the door. There was none of that to this. It was all nebulous. It was all up in the air. And the fact that I sort of was using the props on the table, uh, when we got to the very end of the experience, I found, I, I kind of asked about that. And, and, and the, you know, uh, Tommy, who is one of the guys behind of Tommy and Don, who are behind Stash House, uh, you know, he said, it's like, that's completely legitimate. And like, but and I think what I was, I think in my head, I was wanting to know if it was right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. Exactly, your path is your own. <laughs> and I think that's what shocks me about this is literally, you know, well, I, it's like real life. You can do what you need to do, whatever it takes. Yeah. So whatever's around, if it has a benefit to you, yeah. use it. So, yeah, it's like so. This was utterly fascinating. And, and, you know, as, and Justin made the comment of like, the, the, this is the most immersive thing, the most immersive thing I've done this weekend. And I think it was that element of it, the fact that it was so unpredictable and it wasn't goal oriented and you weren't passive in receiving mm -hmm. a show, you know, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things, by the way. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that as a criticism against anything else we did at the convention. We had a blast this weekend, but this particular event was so outside the box of of what was going on around us. And so I, 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 this was a taste of something very unique and I hope they do more of this. Yeah, me too. Oh, and I, and I was very nervous and I, I will say I was very nervous cause I ended up talking a lot. Um, I know that shocks you. <laughs> um, but I was nervous because like, am, you know, am I, am I railroading something? Am I like, by trying to complete this task, Am I actually missing something? But every time I stopped and looked at Justin and Justin looked at me and, and like every time there was a lull, it was obviously put back on us of like, okay, it's like, nope, yep. not yet. Keep going. Keep going. It was like, don't have it yet. And we were just like flailing in the dark as far as like trying to find the target. And, and it was just like, when it happened, we were like, I think that was it. Do you think that was it? I think that was it. I think we uh okay maybe we should go back check in <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> so i uh, and all the way up there we were you know it, it was it was really fascinating i this was one of the highlights of the weekend for me yeah it was fantastic and it's exciting to see where this can go yeah very very cool because the thing is crow has his own website has his own email has his own phone number yeah so where is that gonna lead yeah are we gonna have to make a choice between crow and ray like who knows yeah i hope not <laughs> so um although crow has some nice bling yeah but ray will kill you <laughs> details <laughs> crow can predict he will kill you <laughs> yes uh all right yeah definitely that was that was really fun and one of the many little immersive little pop-up things i also know mike that there was a scavenger hunt going on that i did not end up 
it's it just like literally I was so busy and there were so many other things going on that mm-hmm. I never quite figured out how to get that started. And I don't even know if I would have had time to finish it. Yeah. Oh, this this convention was jam packed with stuff and opportunities to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, and even more if you looked beneath the surface. Yeah. Like absolutely. Be, for all the things that you just mentioned, yeah. like, you know, if you follow certain Instagram accounts or read certain emails or read actually read that like that's what it comes down to because what you had just mentioned i think was actually on the midsummer scream website like what you have to do yeah so unless you you know you have to read things and look at things and follow people and yeah it's not handed to you which came up actually in one conversation uh on the showroom floor at one point um and look, I've expressed in in past po- in past podcasts, I have expressed frustration sometimes of there's a weird balance between how many hoops do I have to jump through to participate, mm-hmm. and there becomes a factor for me at least, and 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 this was echoed by a couple of people that I talked to of. Okay, there's that weird scavenger hunt thing, but I have to find somebody who's going to send me to somebody else who's going to send me to somebody else. It's like, I don't have time. There's too many things I'm interested in. Yeah, and and I guess part of that was um, like, because I was talking to Dawson uh, early on Sunday, mm-hmm. and he's like, he was taking part in that. And he's like, yeah, like I got this thing, but I have to find someone and then record them to, tr- I have to try to make them say these words and then record them. And he's like, I just don't have the time. Like I want to do other stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so it becomes, and I'm not talking about fear of missing out. Out, I'm talking about the event or the show or the company making it so difficult to participate that I will stop if I'm not convinced the payoff will be worth all of my time and effort. And look, I will, you know, like last year I told the story where I was literally taken off the convention floor for over an hour. Yeah. I paid for the convention. I want to go to that convention. And this event did not fairly indicate, in my opinion, that I was literally going to be taken away. For Actually, it was over an hour. And then something derailed in the middle of that event, which actually made it take even longer. So I look back and I wish I hadn't done the event. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I'm not talking about fear of missing out. I'm talking about how difficult is it to engage and start the process. And also, look, I, I missed out on the screenshot thing, which you came to me afterwards and said, you should really try to do this. And there weren't enough opportunities for me to fit that into the schedule and my responsibilities because we were commoderating a panel and there were responsibilities involved in that, which took us away from doing other stuff. So... Again, it's not fear of missing out, but there is somewhere a balance, you know, and, and I and I jokingly said to to someone on the floor, I said, okay, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? And like all of this. And then somebody describes something. Okay, well, the, I think this, I think that, I think, I was like, okay, F those guys, you know? And it's like, and it's not, I don't mean it as disrespectful, F those guys. I mean, it's like, I choose now, right now, I'm not doing that because of the time that it would take away from everything else. So I think I, I think a very good thing, I look, I think the person who nailed it at this convention is Barry. Yeah. Barry under your bed was short, 
sweet. It's like, it's around this time. They texted you. It's like, come here right now. You engaged with them. They told you where to go to sign up. Exactly. It was like this, like we nailed it. Okay, great. We can plan around it. And when you got there, the event, completely different for every group. Mm -hmm. The event itself had some basic information, but you could interact. You could improv a little with the character. Uh, you could piss the character off like you did. You can... <laughs> So you, you, you could, could hassle the character. You could suck up to him and kiss his monster butt like you did. I, I offered him a treat and he took it. That's all I did. Mm -hmm. So very under your bed, which, team Kit Kat. Yeah, but that's not the treat you offered him. So uh, oh, <laughs> so I know how to tame a monster. That, uh, anyway, <laughs> no, I'm done. I quit. <laughs> so no, put the headphones back on. Um, so. I hope I'm not sounding like I'm complaining because this convention was so full of wonderful stuff, but there has to be a balance between how much time am I taking away from the convention that I came to enjoy to get this little nugget. But there doesn't need to be a balance. That's the whole point of the convention. When we talked to Rick and David last year, it was like we purposely put too much so that you have to choose. You have to right. pick and choose what you want to do. So. It's not on the creators, it's on you, what you decide you want to do. Right, which led, I think, both of us running around crazy both mm -hmm. days. And and this is, not, this is not a gripe because I'm so proud and so lucky that they offered us to moderate a panel. But oh, yeah, absolutely. If, if we didn't have the panel, that's two hours extra we would have had to go to things and I and I wouldn't trade that in the world please don't oh, yeah. think I'm I'm saying that no actually like, what you're saying is that's the point I was trying to make about the weird thing had that happened last year that literally an event sent me away from the convention right and like a fool I was like uh, okay I think this is going to be really cool and then in the end wasn't that cool mm -hmm. and took more than an hour out of my day so that you can't trust ARGs that start in the Craigslist section of, <laughs> oh wait, sorry. That was something Stop else. <laughs> Stop. That was something else. So, um, damn, I missed that personal section. Never mind. I'm sorry. Never mind. Um, <laughs> those are fun to read. <laughs> oh yeah. They were absolutely fun to read. So, uh, and my bucket list was to be someone's like misconnection one day. Like I saw you at the mall wearing, <laughs> you know, uh -huh. a Halloween shirt. Yeah. Call me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Life goal on not on. But now, but now, no, because they removed them all because of the child sex oh, trafficking yeah. thing. So all Which that is, stuff is oh, gone. Such a mistake. That is the, that is such a bogus, complete, bad piece of legislation, and it's like it will do so much damage to possibly things like ARGs may even eventually be affected by that. Um, so, uh, which you can do Google Sensa or whatever else, if you want to learn more about that, but <laughs> well, just like Paul Weller in the jam said, we're going underground. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm not going to digress. I'm not going to digress. I'm not going to digress. So, but yeah, it, this, this is in no way you and I are not complaining that that's not what this is about, but it just, I think there has to be a balance and I love like, for example, but the balance is up to you, not the show, not the creators. Like yes. the creators can, should be creating anything they want. If they want to do a scavenger hunt that takes two hours, they can create that. It's up to right. us if we want to participate. Okay, fine. Then then maybe the point that I'm... Yeah, because I agree with you completely. 100%, I agree with you. And last year, I made a choice that I was unsatisfied with by following something, and they took me out of the convention and, and delivered a completely mediocre experience. 
Uh, but here's what I didn't know is they were also not upfront about how long the experience was going to take. Right. And I think that's part of this equation as well is like, oh, and even if, even if you, even if you don't have a sign of sign, for example, uh, one of these shows that we've talked about, there was not a set time. You kind of had to luck upon somebody at the right moment, which you did. I did not. But you could find out the information of, you know what, this experience is 15 to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if you notice that somebody else is lingering, you know that if they're going to be in front of you, okay, that's at least 20. So you're not going to have an opportunity. So are you going to stand here and linger for 20 minutes? Or are you going to go do something else that you're going to have fun at too? Right. So it's, it's like, so I think that's part of the issue with this convention setting is like, if you're going to do these hidden events, you need to be able to tell the patron, it's like, cool, absolutely. You're on board. Let's do this. It's going to take about 20 minutes of your day. It's going to take 30 minutes of your day. And to be fair, everything that we've done, they had that. You oh know, yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't. Absolutely. Uh, the, they did. With the scavenger hunt thing, I, I don't know. Like, because, yeah, that one I like, didn't know. And, and because I made the choice of like hearing other people and I ran into somebody who was in the middle of it. And I also ran into somebody else who was like, okay, do you notice the guy over there holding the such and such thing in his hand and he's talking to someone else? Okay, he's the middle section of that immersive event over there. And it's like, but I know he's only the second part and I know there's at least two other parts. So like somebody cued me in on that's going to take some time. But I don't know if they did that up front or not because I never found the upfront version of that. So, which was my choice at mm -hmm. that point. I, at that point, I literally had like four things on my plate that I was trying to do. And I just made the, like, okay, you know what, you know what, this is it. This, this is what I choose to do. Um, which is what you were leaning toward, uh, a, a few minutes ago of like, you have to make the choice of what you're balancing. And I did that this year and I was more successful at it than I was last year. <laughs> so to go back to your point a second ago, it's like, we love the fact that we took a couple of hours out of our day and, and helped with a panel and all of that. It's not about that. It's about sort of being able to plan your day yeah. about what your responsibilities are at a convention or what you choose to do and knowing up front, like this is going to take approximately this amount of time or, you know, if you, if you can't sign up, you know, schedule a time if you can or whatever, which I think was better this year at this convention, all the, the pieces that we dealt with seems to have that up front and, and it is appreciated. You know, because I also heard other people doing the schedule thing of like, you know what, I'm going to come back in like an hour and try to do this. But in the meantime, I'm going to go over there and do that. So and that's that's kind of how I worked in my time for the Hall of Shadows, which the Hall of Shadows is this big collection of like mini haunts and the little demo things. And um, there was one area that was kind of a lounge area that Sinister Point had. There was another, like a home haunt that did a display, but it was not really interactive. It was just super freaking cool, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, and in all my free time, I was either hitting the vendor floor and I would literally say to myself, okay, I've got 30 minutes to wander the floor. I've got 30 minutes. Can I do two mini haunts? Right. So, and, and, you know, uh, events, and experiences being upfront about the length of time that they take help you plan that, which is incredibly appreciated and I think necessary to be fair. And again, not fear of missing out. It's just fear of not having the information that you need to balance your day. So you just mentioned the Hall of Shadows. Want to go through what we did in there? Uh, yeah, which I like I said, this is kind of all over the map. Uh, I know we, we uh, kind of uh, ran into each other on Sunday morning and we did a couple of things. 
Um, but on Saturday, right when I walked in, I did a couple of them. Um, uh, and again, the shadow, the Hall of Shadows this year was massive. Yeah. It was like, so good. Oh, it was so good. So big. It was, yeah, it was just, yeah. And I just want to mention one thing up front, Mike, which you had to have noticed because it was almost dead center in the Hall of Shadows. And this is one of those things that just, you just look at it and go, oh, that's so cool. And like, it's the the pumpkin. Yeah, the, that was so good. It, it was, it was beautiful. Uh, what we're referring to is um, it was the, and I'm going to be rattling a little paper here in the background getting names, the Wicked Pumpkin Hollow. And it was described as a nostalgic Halloween tableau. Apparently, this is a, a home haunt. And what they created for Midsummer Scream is it was what you might see as a yard display. It was a pumpkin patch filled with carved pumpkins. And I'm talking, there must have been, what, 100 to 150? Yeah, at least. And they were all lit, and there were a couple skeletons posed among them. There was a Frankenstein. Yeah, it was just like, it was just this lovely, wonderful, you know, amidst all the screaming and the yelling and people running around right dead center which i think was a really great choice by midsummer scream to to center this thing the way they did this wonderful i i looked at it and went like yeah that's what halloween's about for mm-hmm. me yeah same here because yeah. you you look at it in your subconscious at least for me because i'm from the east coast where we actually have those things called seasons yep. um and halloween is during Chilly. fall and cold and it's like i saw that and it's like it took me back and i got cold and yeah. it wasn't because of the ac i mean yeah. it was because of the ac but <laughs> you know you yeah. get extra cold it, it, it was an awesome display and that that's one of the first things i noticed so like hats off to them uh, wicked pumpkin hollow was so beautiful and so charming it was great what'd you see after that uh what did i see after that oh um we went over to a uh, phobia productions had a haunt called viral um, now the thing that that is that you kind of have to understand about all of these things is they're mini haunts. So they're they're literally two minutes long, three minutes long. It's like they're really that short. So um, you know, so it's very it's uh, they get into a pattern of like a couple hallways, a couple of cool rooms, a couple of scares, and you're out. Uh, the thing that Viral did that was kind of ambitious was they actually went with a full on contamination theme. So you had to be decontaminated. You had to like wait and be inspected. And at, at one point you, they stopped you and they, like they filled the room very briefly. They, they blasted a little fog into the room. like inhale, you know? And so the, the, like that was part of the decontamination process and to protect you. And there were a couple of scare actors along the way. Um, yeah, really quick, very brief. Uh, they delivered the, the idea of the contamination thing really well. People in hazmat suits, um, it, the pattern itself w- became a little bit repetitive of like you walked into a room and then you waited for something to happen and then you walked in the next room and you waited for something to happen. But, you know, like I said, mini haunt, like they sold the theme. It was actually kind of cool and a couple of effective scares. And I like this one because it stood out a little bit more to me because it was more theatrical. Yes. You know, because you had these people explaining the story. You had these people, you know, it was like, you need to be here because we need to decontaminate you. You need to do this. It wasn't just, you know, most haunted houses have stories. It's like, oh, this is the the, the serial killer's home, and oh, oh, there's the kitchen with the dead body that where they eat it, and because the, they're cannibals and stuff. So you get a story, but this is an actual story that they're telling you right. as you walk through and 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 get with the actors, which I, I liked. I thought it was kind of cool that 
that in that storyline, they're trying to protect the patrons, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, what did you do after that? Um, well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, my brain is mush on the order I did things, yeah, but totally I want to, I want to talk about something. Cause you know, I just mentioned the theatrical thing, um, in the story, the, the one, the other one that sticks out is, is a home haunt out of Ontario, uh, California, not mm-hmm. Canada called the, the Drex society. And you were able to help spirit hunters. You were spirit hunters in training. Yes. And if you understand acronyms, yeah. (laughs) Russell was literally making hand gestures, (laughs) counting out or doing something. And then you could could see how quick he got it. Okay. (laughs) Did you not get it? No, I didn't get it. Not there? No, I didn't get it right there. No, I mean like at the show? Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. (laughs) Glad to help. This is why I'm so bad at ciphers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And the fact that this is... Uh, usually if I compliment something, one of the words I use is ambitious. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, what they do in the center of this thing. Yes. And, it was like, and I kind of saw it coming because there's there were marks on the floor. And so I was like, okay, they're, they're going to do something involving... And like, sure enough... Like they really, and I don't want to give it away because if it's a home haunt, they might be doing it this season. But yeah, they really do an ambitious set piece. Or well, and apparently they... that took two. Oh, I think he said two years to perfect. Really? Yeah. Because it it it, and it's effective. It's very effective. You you know what's going on. It's not like they've created. You know they haven't reinvented the wheel. Mm-hmm. But what they did is they took a really simple concept. And they made it where they can actually do it with multiple people at a time, and which is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was truly effective. Yeah. And, and it's very, very simple. I was really excited when I got to that point because we were talking to him in, uh, in line because he's the gatekeeper. He lets you in. And he was saying how much of a fan he is of illusions and magic and stuff. And that was mm. one of the things he wanted to bring into this. And he's like, yeah, this one thing, it took us two years to perfect it. And it, like, it's finally working the way I want it to. And so once I got there, I was like, this is what he's talking about. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's also it's like it's very claustrophobic, mm-hmm. and yet you're you're kind of having so much fun while it's going, and you realize what's going on. That 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 kind of distracted me from the idea that, like, wow, there's a lot of people in this room, and this is going on. <laughs> so it it like really, yeah, it, it's really effective. And also, I love the fact that that story is again, it, it's like it's what we just said about phobia productions and viral. It's like it really does involve the patron in mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. They are an active participant. And even if it gets to the point where in the haunt where eventually it's like, go this way, go that way, you're still a part of the story. So rather than just random scares and all that. And the, and you met characters that were relevant to what was going on. So side note, um, the whole purpose of this is you're a spirit hunter in training and you, the whole goal was to summon to, you basically had to redo, um, a ritual in order to get this demon to, so you can get it on camera. Cause somebody did it wrong before. Right. Um, do you know who did that in our group? Who did the ritual? You weren't in our group, but I don't know if you heard. No, I did not. It was Barry. What? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Bury the monster? Yes. Ah. Uh, and okay. it was fantastic. That was very funny. 
I just needed to say that. Uh, that's, that was, I wish I could have witnessed that. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, wow, what else was on? Because that was right next to um, something which... have you Had you ever done... Uh, there's a company called Terror Trucks. And had you... had You've encountered them before, haven't you? Yeah, they were at Scarlet years ago. Yeah. Um, that, and I did them there. Okay. Um, they had two trucks there called Cold Storage and Black Bayou. And then they were sort of demoing... Um, a pop-up inflatable haunted house format. And again, that, that's more of an industry thing uh, for people to like, hey, if you want a home haunt, there's this method of doing a quick home haunt that you don't have to like store for an entire year in your garage. So it's a smaller uh, footprint than that. So that was kind of interesting. But the Terror Trucks, um, cold storage is the one that I had done before. Great production design. It is literally a truck that they pull up and it's got a haunt inside of it. And great production design. It's sort of a, that one is a sort of a The Thing vibe where it's very cold. It's very industrial inside. Uh, it's sort of, there's bodies hanging, hence cold storage. Uh, and and you encounter various things inside that scare you. Uh, I love the fact that it's very tight, that the pathways are so narrow. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I, like I said, I, I, like you said, I did it several years ago and I'm talking like four or five years ago, I think. So it was nice to revisit that. And it's very, very effective. And they have a different truck called the Black Bayou. And that was sort of a Bayou Swamp motif. Mm -hmm. What did you think of that? I liked it. Yeah. Anytime. And it's when you exit the truck and you realize what you were just in it's that much more impressive right um because you are taken and transported into a world that was created in a truck you felt the humidity yeah you felt the humidity you 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 know there was plants that didn't seem fake and <laughs> you know there was everything you could see like the fog was just perfect oh, yeah. and like it's like everything just worked and everything clicked together yeah, and I got and I, I this was one of those times in a haunt where because of the fog, because of the environment, because of the plants, because of everything, I actually got lost. Yeah, there and, was there was a few sections in there where and I guess um Dawson was behind me and he didn't know where to go because he lost me because I was in somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and actually, it's like I, you know, and granted, this was one of those situations where I'm sure the actor isn't supposed to touch the patron, but there, there was an actor hidden who I know kind of like that way <laughs> <laughs> because I was obviously so on the wrong path. <laughs> so, and also uh, something which I have to compliment them for, and it's 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 a little spoilery, but uh, they so many haunts don't take advantage of the fact that if you're in a disorienting situation like a fog bank that there is more than one way to create creepiness and one of the ways that they did it in this and it, it i've seen it actually used in a swamp uh effect before and that is they put things near your feet that you brush against yeah so it feels like things are moving around you when actually they aren't and they're not a tripping hazard or anything like that. But they put things near your legs that you actually brush against. And that sort of thing in the dark, in the fog, with the right lighting is so creepy and so effective. And, you know, that kind of thing, That this is a company, the Terra Trucks company, is so good at utilizing their small, tight spaces like that, that they're really creative and they're very effective at what they do. 
So I'm I'm so glad that they were here this year. Yeah, I dug it. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that I really liked about the Hall of Shadows this year is, I mean, granted there were only two, but fan, just truly fans created yes. maze. Yeah. Um, and two of those were the Trick or Treat maze from the movie Trick or Treat right. um, by Murder House Productions. And then Donnie Darko from the Opichi Haunt. Yeah. And both of these are done out of love. It You know, it's one of those things, you know, because I of how I work, where I work, you know, it's like, oh my God, is this licensed? Like you're going to get sued, you know, but like <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It's like, you could tell it was done out of the love of the movie and just wanting to create something based out of that love. Right. And both of them were just done extremely well. The trick or treat had key scenes and characters from the movie. Yep. Um, and Donnie Darko, same thing. And it, like both of them were just like, I love this. Like, I love these so much. And also not, not just re- trying to recreate the scene. Yes. They, they took, put their own spin on it. Yeah, and it was absolutely. like inspired by. Yeah. Homage inspired by. And so the scares, you couldn't tell where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. And both of them had incredibly effective scares. For me, the Donnie Darko experience had the two most effective scares of the entire convention. They nailed it. I know one of them. Yeah. So, yeah, (laughs) it's like, well, yeah. And basically there's two key scares in that. And both of them absolutely got me 100%. (laughs) So, and I believe Justin from Chicago was, was he ahead of me? I think he was ahead of me. So he definitely heard a Russell Haunt noise. Nice. Yeah. Live and in person. (laughs) You know how John Carpenter does like live shows every year? Yeah. We need to do a Russell Haunt noise as a live show every (laughs) year. No, we don't. So speaking of which, do you know he's coming back this year? Yeah. Halloween. Oh. So I, I, I maybe you can open. <laughs> oh my god, it can be like one of those no. things. You no, know no. how they have like no. No. like sequencers, no. and you could like like. No. Okay, remember KCon last year? Yes, we had that yes. that guy that would make noises and loop. Dude, no. if you no. can make Russell Hunt noises and then loop them no. and turn no. them into songs, Stop. dude. Yes, Stop. yes. Oh my god, <laughs> this has to happen. No. Audio people, please help me make this happen. Morgan, no. I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> Other audio people, please. This needs to happen. No. Uh, but yeah, it was like, I, I did like, that was the biggest scream for me is that first scare in that maze. And also because they, also both of these mazes and, and, and some of the other ones as well. is like they're, this, because they're mini haunts, because they're so short, they're most effective when they take the time to just like get, one scare right get Mm -hmm. the second scare right and it's like it's no it's not a herd mentality it's like okay let's let's get this one moment correctly paced correctly blocked and that was the donnie darko thing in particular was and dude i i suspected it completely because of the way they set up the 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 space right before the scare i was like you know what i bet there's some oh my god you know i just like he, they timed it perfectly. It was awesome. So yeah, definitely the biggest scream of the haunt for me was in the Donnie Darko experience. Nice. Yeah, definitely. And I think right next to them, Mike was the bloodshed brothers haunted house. Hyde street massacre. Uh, there in, if you haven't noticed these guys on Instagram, they post a lot of really cool imagery and stuff on their Instagram. Like they're, they're a fun haunted house. Uh, I will say, uh, inside that one, 
had, I think, the most beautiful sequence of was, all the haunts. Was it the hallway? Yes. With the pumpkins? Yeah. Yes. I thought it, the exact same thing. Like, this is so simple, but it's so good. Yeah. It, it's just like, I, uh, I stopped. This is so beautiful. This is so cool. And I just took it in for a second mm-hmm. because it, it, it was... It was it was it it made me stop. It stopped me in my tracks because I turned a corner and there is this image in front of you that is creepy and haunting and effective, and I love the fact that they chose not to do a jump scare in that area. Yeah, that's which, a good point. Which means the Bloodshed Brothers know what they're doing. Yeah, because they know that that that's not an area for a jump scare. That's not. That is an area where. You are showing your expertise and how good you are at creeping people out. I was like, and that was that was for me like the highlight of that. That and and they did do good, very good jump scares, uh, and also uh, the production design of that one, the set decoration, everything inside um, the Bloodshed Brothers haunted house was so effective and so well done and so cool. Yeah, it was like that was a treat. Absolutely going through that one. Yeah, and I think right next to that one was Scare Ventures, the Haunted Lodge. Which I think this is the one I couldn't get in because of the line. Okay. Um, and this is something that I guess they're going to be in San Diego oh, uh, this cool. year. And it sounds really cool. It sounds like it's going to be pretty long. Um, but this was basically a Haunted Elks Lodge. And the thing with Scare Ventures, that I, we were talking to the people at the um, running the line, is I guess they're more of a hire us to do something they don't really they don't necessarily have a year after year steady place oh interesting um so for like the haunted lodge for example they the an elks lodge hired them to do something one year and i guess they do stuff all over the state oh that's awesome yeah so and it was good there was some effective scares on another thing i wanted to mention is this year there was such to me such a focus on smells throughout throughout all the haunted yep. houses um and <laughs> and that's one of the things i noticed and it, it was very cool um because it's not something that it's something i remember f- from previous years but not as much as this year it seemed that most places had sense to go with certain rooms which i thought was a very cool addition interesting i i didn't particularly notice that i was aware of it a couple of times for sure but not overall and then I think right next to that was um, Shattered Realm, which was uh, the Inland Empire Asylum, which you know, Mike, that asylum themes I enjoy. It's just... <laughs> really? Uh, a straight jacket. It's actually just a warm hug. Um, so uh, the interesting thing about them is they were actually overall less jump scare focused, I think, than the other haunts in the Hall of Shadows that I went through. And they were more about mood and motif and environment. And, you know, you'd walk into a room and there was, in one room, there was a actor sort of performing surgery, a rather disturbing surgery on a, you know, it was a dummy. But the actor... Or was it? (laughs) the, um, The actor never... I kept expecting the jump scare, and instead, he just let people come into the room and observe him. Mm-hmm. And he like he sort of was aware that we were there, but he never moved at us. He never just... and so it was. It became this whole thing of like I kept creeping across the floor toward the other exit, and I was like, "When's he gonna jump? When's he gonna jump? When's right. he gonna jump?" <laughs> and so that anticipation was actually just as effective as the jump scare would have been. 
And that happened a couple of times inside the Shattered Realm haunt, and where they were like they, they created the imagery, they created the mood, and then just let you sort of maneuver through it. And there were yes, there were definitely yes, there was a jump scare, but there, I just thought that was like oh, they're not in my face, they're not coming at me the way some of the other haunts are. And that's not a criticism. It's just an observation of like, it's really interesting that they just kind of let you steep in the creepiness. Yeah. I thought that, that I thought that was a nice technique that they used in a mini haunt. Also, I think it's a little daring in a mini haunt where you're trying to move people through so fast and in such a short period of time. So that, that was, that was a nice touch by them. Did you get to do the twisted minds one, uh, Annalise, the experience? No, I went back, uh, actually after our panel on Sunday, because that was when every time I went, the line was pretty long Mm -hmm. and I didn't have a chance to do it. Uh, and I went back and they closed it just as I was walking out. Oh, I was able to do that earlier and that one, that was fun. Um, it was, uh, basically, you know, a redneck shack, a house, um, you walk through and, Lots of jump scares, lots of smells. Um, the best was watching people leave because there was a final scare at the end to send you off. And watching people just kind of like run out and jump out is fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping I'm getting this information correct. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, those are home haunters that are trying to turn pro. I believe so. So it's like good luck to them, and uh, you know I'm so sorry I didn't get to that one because I noticed that the line was noticeably long mm-hmm. on that one. It's just time, man. Yeah, <laughs> it happens at Midsummer's. I know. So. Um, yeah, because speaking of time, we had to get to a panel that we were moderating. Yes, uh, for those of you who haven't picked up on it yet, uh, Midsummer Scream asked Mike and I to co-moderate a panel. Uh, interestingly enough, it dealt with a subject that. Mike and I are interested in <laughs> weird. <laughs> the panel that we were asked to co-moderate was called immersive horror, new trends outside the box. And Mike, you and I talked about in advance, obviously about this, uh, going into it. And the, the first thing that I think I said was, did you notice that everyone on this panel that they've invited is mixing genres? Yeah. And so on the panel, we were lucky enough to have, uh, Rachel Foti from the uh, LA area. Who's... Counts Den, Horror Escapes, Night Shift. Right. Uh, so escape rooms and immersive theater stuff. Uh, we were uh, able to get Ted Darty, mm-hmm. uh, who has a history with Knots and Universal. And, and wrote, wrote the story for Murder Co. Which is Black Market Escape, escape Rooms. Room. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which is really... So that's kind of a mixture of stuff. They brought in uh, Ricky Briganti from Orlando, and he is uh, someone who had worked at Inside the Magic for a long time, which is a really well-known website concerning theme park stuff. And he is now working with a company called Pseudonym Productions that in Florida is creating immersive experiences involving immersive theater, kind of scavenger hunts, gaming, all sorts of different genres mixing together. Yeah, and the last person was Justin Fix, who we know from Creep LA and The Willows and... The Willows VR. Yeah, which is just uh, starting to be released and is coming out in other formats soon. Mm -hmm. So uh, the conversation on the panel, uh, I think, Mike, we tried to steer it. I hope we were successful in steering it toward uh, the inspiration of mixing genres. Mm -hmm. So uh, the interesting thing for me also was that, you know, Ricky was talking about the difference between Los Angeles and Orlando, that Orlando is 
taking a while to catch up and LA is this big boom in immersive theater trends and experimentation. And it sounds like he's sort of at the forefront of that in Orlando because it's not quite known yet. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, during the hour that we had about how other cities are discovering this. Obviously, New York has had immersive theater for quite some time in various forms, but that's expanding there. Other cities are getting pop-up stuff. Uh, So, uh, you know, what did you find? Uh, did did you find anything on the panel, Mike, that that surprised you? Um, I, I don't know if surprise is a good word for it. Okay. Um, just more like there's a lot of information I did not know, and it was very interesting and awesome to hear that. It was it was interesting for me uh, to hear the creators talk about the development. Uh, of how it's like, oh, I was working on this and I saw that and I, I enjoyed that format. So how can we mix the two? And uh, there were conversations on the panel of like moving forward. It's like if there is how do you educate an audience and get them on board with what you're trying to do, especially since on this panel, there were four people creating very different experiences. Mm-hmm. So their obligation to the patron their responsibility to the patron sort of shifts depending on what their experience is and what they expect the patron to do. Obviously, someone like you know Ricky is expecting them to participate in interactive exchanges with actors and do stuff which will lead to certain paths, you know. And you know, the Countston also has interaction, and the Willows has interaction, but you're following a specific track, so you're being led in that situation. So your interaction is different than it would be in one of Ricky's productions. You know, the escape room is an escape room, but it's also very haunt influenced. Mm-hmm. It's very, very obviously a heavy influence on that experience. And, you know, the beginning of it is theatrical. I mean, literally the beginning of it is almost a proscenium experience. Yeah. So, and then that leads into, they, they sort of literally break the fourth wall and pull you into the theatrical experience. So I found it a really interesting conversation, and I thought it was a, a smart move of Midsummer Scream to bring those four people together. Agreed. And we recorded it, so we are hoping to release that as a podcast coming up, um, since you may not have been able to head out there. Um, and I believe people recorded it, uh, video of it. So once um, that gets posted, uh, we will share the links if they're okay with it. Thank you so, so much to everybody that came to our panel. Um, you know, it was really hard to convince Russell everything was going to be okay because he was freaking out that nobody would come and, you know, things like that. Like he would show Who, up me? wearing his underwear what, or me? something. And uh, But it was a fantastic turnout. Everyone there was awesome. Thank you again. It was the last panel on Sunday. I'm sure most of you wanted to just go home and beat traffic and just... Or go to the Universal panel in the other yeah. room. <laughs> or just relax. Um, so thank you so much for coming and for staying. For yeah, the whole absolutely. Thing. So thank you so much. It means a lot. I wasn't that worried. Okay. Okay, I might have been worried. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might have been a little concerned. So, uh, but thank you. Yes, thank you to everyone. Like we're basically at the end of right. this. Like yeah. we talked about everything that we've done. I kind of want to mention things that aren't part of the show, but they are. And what I mean by that is marketing wise, Justin Fix and the Willows crew had a kind of not installation, but they were in the middle of the show floor being 
being what being they them. be. Yeah. Being themselves. With being flyers weird. to promote the Willows VR. <laughs> yes. You know, and it's stuff like that. Like you can see that. You can take pictures of that and video. And it's just it's just an extra thing. Um, same thing. Like we encountered a woman that was on the floor with flyers for this new show that are from the minds of the ten- creators of the tension experience called theater macabre. And, the and apparently thing- and here's the cool thing. You and I had very different interactions with uh-huh. her. Yeah. And that's the cool thing because when I saw her and I saw what she had flyers of, it's like, Oh, okay. I know that I can interact with this person right. based on, you know, even though it's, I, I guess it's not part of the OOA world. Like it's part, not part of the tension world. It's right. something else. That doesn't mean that that person won't talk yeah. because that's what we've come to expect from, from their shows and their actors. Can you tell me what you're not? Yeah, that like? was about oh, to okay, settle right, down. Right. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> you're um, so secretive usually. So. <laughs> um, but no, like I, I, when I saw her and I realized who she was I immediately knelt down and just started talking to her. And I was like, what are you doing? Why are you on the floor? And, and she was like, I'm looking for my lost love. Uh, like I lost my love. And it was something to, to that effect. And I was like, I can help you. I can, let me, let me try to find him or become him. You know, I said something like that. Right. And cause I thought I was being smooth. Um, and, <laughs> and she was just like, Oh, that would be great. You know, thank you so much. And then like, and she whispered something in my ear, and that's when I knew it was it was it was time to go. Right. So uh, I had a very different interaction. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, I I had the same moment where I saw her get into position mm-hmm. where literally this I, I noticed that she she was very lovely like very very beautifully dressed, mm-hmm. and so uh, I was standing there talking actually to Brian Bishop, and uh, who moderated a panel on Saturday and. You know, I, I, she, I, she kind of caught my eye because she was wearing this very elegant black outfit. And so, you know, she walked by and she suddenly just plopped down on the floor and started messing all these papers up. And I didn't realize what they were, actually. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't notice the, the artwork on them. I didn't know what they were. And I looked at Brian like that. That's kind of odd. And Brian just kind of smiled and went, you might want to like, look at okay, that. Okay. So that, so that was a chain reaction of effect because I did the same thing to Brian. Oh, really? Yeah. So next, <laughs> so he was paying it forward, I guess. Uh, yeah. So he just said, you might want to like, like, and he just pointed, I was like, oh, and I just jumped in because I was like, okay, I guess I interact with this person. So I did something actually similar to what you did. I, I knelt down mm-hmm. and I asked her, I said, are you okay? You're on the floor. Is everything Okay. And she said yes. And she said, "Are are are you, are, are you wanting to help? Can you help?" I will try. I you know I, I said I will try. And she she took a moment. And she was like, "Are you looking for me?" Was and I was having a problem hearing her because she was kind of whispering on the show floor, so it was hard. But I'm pretty sure what she said is, "Are you looking for me?" And I said, "I wasn't." And she just was so hurt and she was crestfallen. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I said the wrong thing. Typical Russell. <laughs> yeah, I, I said the wrong thing. And she said, why wouldn't you look for me? And I literally said, I was so intimidated by your beauty. Nice. And she literally throws up her hands and faints in the middle of the floor. <laughs> So I'm sitting there with this woman unconscious in front of me with all these flyers on the floor and like, uh, uh, 
<laughs> and she she took a moment and she kind of like was swooning and I like reached over and I touched her hand and I kind of helped her sit back Don't up. Don't touch the actors. I know, I know. <laughs> but like I I I you know, she kind of sat back up and she handed me a flyer and she said, "Please con- I I think she said please continue looking." I think is what she said to me. So I kind of knew like it was the end. And so I started to stand, but I, but she like, she still had her hand out. So I like, as I'm starting to stand, I like my hand goes into her hand and, and I, I, I kind of looked at Brian for a second and I'm, I, I looked down and I, I just looked down directly in her eyes and I said, may I? And she said, you may. And so I reached down and I actually kissed her hand and and let it drop and she like her hand gradually went down and i walked away so it was like this wonderful magical little 45 seconds yeah scene but those are the things that like don't get talked about oh yeah and like they need to be because like that is as much as a part of this show uh at the midsummer scream not that show but like that's a then the you know, environment the haunt. Yeah. yeah it's part of the environment the whole vibe of the of the convention has this weird anything can happen at any mm-hmm. time and it might really be cool and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is like you need to understand you need to follow instagram accounts and read emails and stuff yeah. because to anyone else on the floor it's just someone passing out flyers yeah but unless you knew who she was you knew you could talk to her right and that's awesome yeah it, it's just it, it yeah that was a really cool moment so and and it goes back to that conversation of you know, like just pay attention and be surprised sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there are a couple of shout outs, Mike, that that I think we should give because I I know we met various people, uh, and Jennifer is a is someone who flew down from San Francisco, and I know she I think she met you first, and then uh, she, I ran into her much later, and she it was very nice of her. We actually. I don't know what you guys talked about, but we got into a really interesting conversation because she's had a, a little bit of a, I, I don't want to go into details because that's, that's her business. But, you know, she asked me about safety in haunts. Um, we had a conversation about safety haunts. She was actually at the Josh Randall panel we were talking earlier. Um, and, you know, she thanked for the, us for the podcast and for talking about stuff in another area that she doesn't live in. Uh, and we've gotten that several times from listeners of it's just interesting to hear what's going on in other cities and in san francisco i'm sure there are there is more immersive stuff than than maybe other cities in the country but you know she's someone who's new and exploring and looking to learn more and so you know more power to her for coming down to this convention for a weekend on her own and trying to meet people and trying to see what this scene is about and like that was awesome and it was i I ran into i kept running into her uh, over and over again and we was like hey how's it going what are you doing next uh, and, uh, the other person I just want to say a quick hello to is, uh, there's a gentleman when I was, uh, hanging out with the people drinking way overpriced drinks at the party, uh, there was a guy named Justin who walked up to me and actually he's doing something called haunt, haunt talk on YouTube. And because he's, he's a young guy who loves all things haunting. He's interested in extreme stuff, but he's also interested in traditional haunts. And he's trying to do stuff on YouTube where he talks to creators and he talks to people about what they're doing in the haunt world. And he came up and he just wanted to thank us for the podcast. Uh, and he referenced the fact that he had seen the blackout experiments and and the way I talk about the emotional side of what this stuff can do if you're willing to explore and play. It's like he just, you know, kind of like, like, I love the fact that your guys are honest and you guys are approaching it from this is what we love to do. And, uh, you know, he said it would inspired him. So that's it's like, awesome. Yeah. And it's like, so stuff like that is very touching. And I, I, I also respect the fact that 
um, this is a growing community of, if you want to talk experiential marketing, if you want to talk immersive theater, if you want to talk haunts, all of these things are changing very rapidly. And they're not changing just here in Los Angeles. They're changing everywhere in this country. And if you start doing searches on Google for all of these things, you'll find them around the country now. And as this grows, as this evolves, uh, people are going to have to sort of maneuver their way to what interests them and what inspires them and what they're passionate about and what triggers them to want to explore and play and all of that. And it's just that, you know, these two people, both of them are doing that and, and that that's, that's really cool. And it's really fun to know that that's happening. And if, if you and I play a small role in that for someone, I, I just love that. Yeah. That's and incredible. Thank you to both of them for saying that. Yeah, I really, thank really you. appreciate it. And another person we want to thank is Melissa, who made some very clever little Team Kit Kat and Team Snickers pins and uh, was handing them out around the time of our panel. We really want to thank Melissa. Yeah. And uh, thank you for all of those people who over the weekend let us know whether they were standing for Team Kit Kat or Team Snickers. That also added some fun to the convention, definitely. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Sincerely. Um, I have a shout out, but I feel like the biggest douche right now because I can't remember their names and I didn't write it down because um, this weekend turns my brain to mush. <laughs> um, but to the two guys that are creating an escape room in Azusa who are about to do Stash House or who did st- Stash House right after I saw them, like, thank you. Thank you for coming up to me. I'm super excited to check out your escape room once it's open and please email me. So I know your names and I can give you a proper shout out next time. And I'm super, super, super sorry. I can't remember. (laughs) I suck. Uh, No, you you don't suck. Like so many people said hi this weekend and we ran into so many people that we've done stuff with. And there, there were a couple of times when I had to go, I'm sorry, you were completely out of context. You know, where do we know each other from? And they're like, oh, yeah, we did this together. It was like, oh, yeah, of course I know who you are. That happened to me a couple of times, definitely. And speaking of sucking, the one thing about this convention that I realized, nothing did. That's, that's a you know, like point. last last year, like you, you mentioned earlier, is like, oh, I had I didn't like this experience. I, you know, it took time out of my day didn't like it didn't pay off misrepresented itself yeah (laughs) and i think there has been some things that we didn't like in the past like yeah whether it be small or big but this year i have nothing to complain about like and that's that's no but that's not that's not even (laughs) that's not like a convention thing that's that's, because that's literally there was the crawfish convention and the jehovah witness convention and like all the other thousand conventions that were happening in that area Oh yeah true but like there was there was not seriously nothing I can complain about. I I, I do want to say uh, to the creators uh, behind the scenes of Midsummer Scream is like I know that they have been working for a year for this weekend, and immediately the names you know like David, Johanna, um, uh, Ian, uh, Rick, uh, you know all of those people who are behind the scenes. Uh, running the floor doing the day-to-day stuff helping people load into the space uh you guys absolutely hit it out of the ballpark um you nailed it this was it everything that i've heard you guys talk about because we do run into these people at other events and uh it's like everything that you guys like well we're going to try this we want this to happen we want this to happen i think it all did Mm -hmm. And I think this was the achievement they've been looking for for several years because, you know, it just it's this has been growing very, very fast. 
And dude, the, they sold out both days. There were literally 10,000 people roaming around at this thing at the same time. And they already released dates for next year. Which are? August 3rd and August 4th. All right. So mark that on your calendars, everyone. It is worth it. Uh, the You know, you were saying there's nothing to complain about. It's like the the it's not a complaint, but my only frustration was that there were panels I couldn't get to that I wanted to so badly. Mm-hmm. It's like you know that I wanted to go see the Spook Show panel, but it was yeah. literally it was like it, the just the scheduling of it of when it happened, you know, and there the arts and crafts stuff, the how to do certain things. It's like I wanted to go to a couple of those, and it just and literally it's like you said, you have to find the balance that you're looking for, and that's not a complaint. It's a frustration of there being so much. And that's an achievement in itself. The fact that there is something. If you wanted to do family-friendly stuff all weekend, if you brought your kids, because I made that mention of I I saw so many kids on Sunday, you could do that. Mm -hmm. As long as they aren't scared by the imagery of there are so many monsters running around. (laughs) So uh, it turned out so well this year and was such a good event. And, you know, I hope other patrons, I hope other people that were running around on the floor and saying hi to us and everything, I hope they were having the same experience. Yeah. I really do. Because I know that those guys worked so hard. And again, I want to thank the volunteers. I want to thank all the tech people. I want to thank the, the, the stage managers who were ushering people to and from the panels. I want to thank all of those people because every one of them is key to the success of this event. It's not just the people at the top who, whose names and faces you normally recognize, but it's everyone. And this is the year that I think it all came together the best I've ever seen it. Uh, this, this was a wonderful achievement. I agree. Anything to add? I, no, I, no, <laughs> that was, you said it. So, okay. <laughs> so that's it, man. Another year down. Yeah. Yeah can't wait till next year yeah we say that every year but and and if you have never uh been lucky enough to experience midsummer scream uh give it a shot it's like start looking at flights now yes if you're in other parts of the country start Start, looking start saving up yeah yeah because you will want to buy stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh yeah congratulations to everyone and and thank you for listening to this kind of recap of our adventures uh, and you know, I'm sure everyone there had a different experience. I'm sure everyone did other, other adventures than we did and saw the, the haunts that we didn't. And, uh, yeah. So I hope everyone had a great time and I hope everyone walked away with a souvenir or a pin or something to remember how great 2018 was for Midsummer Scream. And with all of that being said, I'm Mike and I'm Russell. See ya. Get out. Mm. We're done for now. Yeah, you, I don't know if you can hear it in Michael... Uh, my, well. <laughs> <laughs> because I have Michael Myers on the brain. <laughs> and I kind of equate you with a serial killer. Uh, the uh, <laughs> So, um, where was I going with that? I have no idea. I, com- I have completely lost my train of thought.